remote control. The ashtray and the pilot game and the remote control, and that's all I need. And these matches. The ashtray and these matches and the remote control and the paddle ball. This lamp. seconds after the hour of 11 in this month of January in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed studios of, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm driving distracted by a thing. I'm sorry, somebody's sending me a thing about Bill Pullman. Hold on. I'll read that later. What was I doing? Oh, the uh, plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. Thank you for coming along and making it. Part of your listening day, we are uh, here in beautiful uh, here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to day twelve. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy for your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your messages, your two cents, your what have you. It's five zero three seven three three two. 970. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the somewhere uh, in between. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I was just saying that I actually 
I spent a few, I spent a half an hour this morning trying to to uh, to get a speech from one political movie or another, and they're all just. It, you know, what's kind of strange is that none of those political films that have come out in the last 20 years, none of them have speeches that are really, I don't know, that are excerptable or that stand on their own. The closest you can get is the American president, and I was I was making fun of the Independence Day speech a few minutes ago, and Sarah noted that if Aaron Sorkin had written that, I would think it was genius. But I would it's the best piece of writing in the late 20th century. That, and then say your answer. Which is true. Except as much as I love Aaron Sorkin, and I really do, really, honestly, deeply and truly, I love Aaron Sorkin, but boy, I've tried four or five times to edit down that speech from the end of The American President, and it's just terrible. Even by Aaron Sorkin standards, it's just so unbelievably maudlin. I mean, he does everything but come into your living room and stand over you uh, while you sit on the sofa and wave his finger in your face. So, it's not going to work. Here's some other political uh, movies that uh, did not yield a speech. Try to get something from all the president's men. That didn't work. Try to get something from the candidate with Robert Redford. That didn't work. I haven't tried the seduction of Joe Tynan. That might be next. Tried the war. I'm, yeah, I might try that again tonight. I might watch the war room again tonight with James Carville. Try to pull something out of that. Well, it was, it was time to play Bill Pullman anyway. It was. It's been too long because it made me smile. Again. We haven't played it this year. That's the first Independence Day uh, playback of 2008. There you go. Uh, anyway, hello. It's 503-733-2970. You want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T uh, at 970.am. And by the way, in case this is the sort of thing you were wondering about, tomorrow when we take our big uh, uh, tram ride to hell, oh, God. if the wire should snap and we fall, we will be falling at a speed of 120 miles an hour. How like, high up is it? I don't know, but when you're falling... Are there airbags in that? No. Oh. No, I think it's just metal, Tim. Can I wear a helmet? Filled with little bags of glass. Yeah. Can we wear a helmet? Wear, yeah, wear a helmet and a retainer. And then just drag one of your feet behind you like it's all clubby. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But tomorrow at 4 p.m., uh, we will be riding uh, the tram up and down again. And, of course, I was coming over to the Ross Island Bridge this morning, and I slowed down a little bit just to sort of stare at the tram a little bit. It really does look like nothing more than one of those old uh, Airstream uh, trailers. Uh, that like uh, you know that like some drunken redneck would live in on the outskirts of town. Just looks like they hitched one of those to a big wire and strung it up to, to OHSU. Uh, anyway, that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, so the big week actually, we got uh, that coming up tomorrow. We got uh, Lemmy from Motorhead uh, on Friday. We may have another musical guest on Friday. I don't want to I don't want to say who it is quite yet. I don't mean to be all teasy about it. I just I don't want to mention it because it, it may not happen. It's a uh, Sort of an outside chance, as they say. Uh, and then uh, next week, uh, Tesla, the band. Uh, it's all very exciting. What else is coming up? Well, today we got to see in our radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, who is uh, on the ground still in Manchester. Oh, man, did you see that, that embarrassing moment yesterday when Huckabee was is pandering to the New Hampshire crowd? And, and he, uh, he said, and the next time I come out, I'll learn how to say chowder. And then he did this. He unleashed this whole string of embarrassing the sort of pseudo-New Hampshire uh, statements. He was actually in your hometown, Tim Riley. He was in Nashua. Hillary was there, too. Now, see, I That's thought... That's where she made her speech from. I thought Nashua was a small town. I thought Nashua was tiny for some reason. It, it was when I lived there. It was 39000 Now it's like 80000 So it's about the size of Hillsborough. Now, is it... But they were making it seem like it was the second biggest city in New Hampshire. It is. Really? Manchester's the biggest. At 80,000 people, it's the second biggest city? Manchester's like 100,000. 
Why did I think that New Hampshire would... What is the total population of New Hampshire? A little over a million, I guess. That's interesting. I thought it was way more than that for some reason. No, it's too cold to have more people. <laughs> there may be more, but they're buried under the snow. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't it think is... too many people really want to live in New Hampshire. An inhospitable climate. Well, you left, so... Yeah. All right. Aren't well, you glad? Fair enough. I am. No, no, we we are. We are indeed. All right. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us uh, from Manchester, New Hampshire. Boy, and I'm not going to uncork all my thoughts on the primaries right now. We'll wait. We'll do a few of them here uh, in a moment with Tim, and then we'll do some more later with Lisa and whatever. I'm just going to say this is going to be my one-sentence overview uh, until we talk more about it here in a few minutes. How deeply satisfying it was. On so many levels, they can't even be counted to see every single poll and pundit just take it in the shorts last night. Just and then they spent three hours afterwards trying to explain why they were wrong well, and how they're going to be right the next time. Exactly. The only guy who really nailed it was CNN legal analyst uh, the, the, Jeffrey Tubin, who actually just said at one point, because they started talking about, well, the polls say that once we get to South Carolina, and Jeffrey Tubin actually just said that, Really, any of these polls are just completely pointless right now. I mean, there's just no point in it. That's what they make their living doing. They don't have to be right. Because they were all wrong, yeah. every single one of them. Yet they keep their jobs. Yes, they do. Make ten times more than what we make. Yeah. It's good that we're not bitter about it. No. Uh, Lisa Desjardins joining us today. Uh, Jim Roop joining us from Los Angeles. We're now, so not only did they cancel the Golden Globes, now there's one faction claiming the Oscars are not going to be affected, and of course another faction claiming the Oscars are going to be canceled as well. Yes, so, canceled. We've got that. Are you rooting for cancellation? Unless they come to an agreement with the writers. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, top five today. We'll give away, uh, give away a copy of Jackass uh, 2.5. Uh, Double Corpse Watch. Uh... More Britney news. I mean, you think at some point the well would run dry no. because she hasn't, to the best of my knowledge, done anything crazy in at least a couple days. But we got, I think, four different Britney stories today. Uh, well, it, it's just that we have a backlog because we interrupted her stories by talking about the election. That is true. Her life continues even though Hillary and Barack and all these other people are making news. Let's see. Religious Nutcase Watch and uh, and, just, and then some other uh, random things. Mr. Skin coming up one thirty today. And uh, your phone calls into all that. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Well, I guess it's sewing a lot everywhere. Uh, Mount Hood Cascade's got 30 new inches of snow overnight. And I'm on Hood 29, Bennett Pass 28. Wow, it's a lot. Anyway, an Idaho man microwaves his hand after seeing the mark of the beast on it. Excellent. Icy roads in Washington County caused 17 accidents in two hours this morning. Witnesses claim the man who stabbed a pregnant woman in Beaverton tried to stash her in his trunk. Then a Bedford woman is charged with putting a man's eye out with a knife. Oregon dogs could start a national commercial. Up to a 1,000 jobs could be cut by Friday at the Warner... Brothers Burbank lot due to the writer's strike. Obama raises a half million dollars overnight this morning. The woman who made Hillary cry votes for Obama. Two of America's favorite things to put together. The taser and the MP3 player. Fantastic. It's called an eye taser. And we have barrelfuls <laughs> of Britney stories. Excellent. Yes, the eye taser. Uh, and uh, this email says, Rick, I wanted to take this final opportunity to thank you for years of intelligent and geeky entertainment. Thank you, Rick, for being a beacon to geeks everywhere. Tim, for showing that antisocial can be suave. Sarah, for sharing your wit and snark despite being far too beautiful for radio. And though we barely had time to know you, thanks to Richie for bringing us drunken hilarity. You will live on in perpetuity as we rush to Wikipedia to document your tragic demise on the tram. Thanks so much. Thank you, oh, sir. I appreciate that. That's not nice. Wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, before we do anything else, uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Uh, first off, I'm missing the DOA bed with the uh, the talk of everybody's airy demise. 
I think then we have something we were going to substitute for that. Oh, it was going to be uh, the jacket. It was going to be the La Bamba. The, the sky belongs to the stars. It's going to be sleepwalk. Yes. Uh, the other thing about Sam is that you know, in an elevator, people always get freaked out because it's a little claustrophobic. Yeah. But you know, you can always just crawl out through the door in the ceiling and push open the doors above where you are. You know, in a tram, you're just hosed. They get stuck. Oh, I yeah, mean, because you can't. I mean, on the tram, there's no. Uh, I mean, I haven't been on that yet, but I would imagine the windows are sealed and you know, there's, there's no way no to open them. There's no ladder truck tall enough. No, you're in there like a TV thing. dinner. No, you're crawling up that cable. <laughs> Think about that. Oh, oh, Think about oh, that. Thanks for that. I'm sorry? It must be an escape hatch. Well, that's a good question. Is I'm there still an... wearing my helmet. Is it... There's an escape hatch, and you get out, and you're on the cable. So have a good time. Well, no, but then you're going to have to do the John McClane thing of, like, hooking your belt over the cable and cinching yourself up like an inchworm. Just one oh, handhold no, at a time. Down. You can yeah. slide down. Ooh. You know, like, you know, get a chain, you know, like as you do in the movies, you know. And oh, totally. Like I'm like I'm a diamond thief going zzz, repelling from one building to another in trance in the dead of night. Oh, man. Or a thing, uh, yeah. Is, yeah. Well, anyway, have fun. Thanks so much. Mm. All right, there you go. Fantastic. We're joined today's Are We Always with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan, how are you doing today? How are you spending your last day on Earth? Cool. Oh, yeah. Besides, the sky belongs to the stars, Oh, it's right? so creepy. Ew. Fantastic. I don't want to go. I'm doing very well. I had my um, first bowling tournament, and I bowled with your wife yes. last night. No, I stopped by for a couple minutes. I didn't. Uh, I had to go home and watch uh, watch Hillary be triumphant. But, we have uh, the greatest team name ever. Which is? Team Cobra Whiskey. Fantastic. That's wonderful. And Rick brought the Cobra Whiskey. Um, I don't know why you thought that that would be a good idea. Lara told me to do it. Lara sent me a text. She's like, we're, we're Team Cobra Whiskey, and we need a mascot. Because it, we'll just back up for a second. That so, was danger. I will... Uh, so we'll, we'll back up just a day or two. So uh, Richie came in the other day and was telling us that there's, there's some media league where uh, the different the TV stations and radio stations and, you know, whatever, it's media conglomerates, they get together and they bowl drunkenly and, you know, whatever. Um, and so Richie had this whole idea of let's put together an AM 970 team or CBS team. And everybody thought, that's a fine idea, especially because I, Rick Emerson, don't have to take part in it. So it, 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 the team ended up being Sarah, uh, Richie, Mailman Chris... My wife, and then Aaron Duran and his wife, and Squid from from KNRK, <laughs> and so it, everything was fine uh, un, until I ran it by Susan Reynolds in marketing, who God bless her, actually said that that was probably not such a swell idea to have somebody from Intercom on the CBS team because, as she noted, she runs everything through the filter of what if the general manager were to stop by, and that is. That is oh, a good. That totally makes sense. That is a good sort of mental gauntlet to run things through, especially because what was the near disaster of the Pimp Squad, who I think at one point, probably if we had not corrected them, would have started identifying themselves as CBS employees before chain puking onto the street. So Susan made the observation that if somebody from uh, KNRK was going to be on the team, it was probably best if we didn't identify it with CBS Radio. So now you guys are. So anyway, so so I show up at the bowling at the bowling alley last night because Lara sends me this text and she's like, "You got to bring the Cobra whiskey bottle by. We need a mascot." So I leave the station last night around 7:30 because uh, Tim and I have been working late to get election coverage on the air for the people. Yes. I stop by the bowling alley. I walk in. There's KUFO, Move in 107.5, KGW, Intercom, uh, KUPL, I think, and then. Team Cobra Whiskey, and who were and you and guys? And we were pay, playing the Kenny Loggins experience. Yeah, or Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers experience, and everybody on the team was unbelievably drunk, so that was great. 
Uh, and then so then I brought in the bottle of co- and it was the uh, it was the Cobra whiskey has the Cobra and the Garden Snake in it, so which then sat precariously on the ledge above the lane like some sort of unholy talisman. No, that, I know it was so bad. I was just waiting for that thing to break and that smell would never go away. Yeah. So. Oh, and then somebody would have to pick it up. So it was uh, anyway. So how did you all bowl last night? I broke a hundred. Fantastic! Look at you. Well, I bowled eighty. <laughs> oh, you mean a hundred for the night? No, no. You're... I I bowled eighty, and then um, the second because we had to play three rounds, which just went on forever. My arm, I'm exhausted. Like at, by ten o'clock, I'm like I'm ready. To bowling. Go. Now here's the thing about bowling. Bowling is like swimming in that it's exercise you don't really realize you're getting until after it's done. Do you ever go for a swim? You know, an hour or two in the pool or whatever, and then the next day you wake up and you're like, oh, and it, you know, and it feels like you've got malaria, like mm-hmm. you can barely get out of bed. That's what bowling is too. You're all fine, and then the next day you get out of bed, you walk into the kitchen, and you lift up your right arm to make some toast, and it feels like someone has set the, your forearm on fire. I think I bowled too late last night, so it's not hurting yet, but I, it, it feels like it's going to. Oh, it's going to be a pain later. But second round, I got 106. Excellent. I was so excited. Nobody could believe it because I was bowling so terribly. I do have to say this. I think my wife was probably the worst bowler than I. She, she... was, and that's why I'm so glad she was there. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you honey. <laughs> so there you go. So she sets the bottom benchmark for people. No, and mailman Chris, he got like seven strikes in a row. He bowled at two. He's a hustler. I'm telling you right now, that guy is trying to hustle like, I'm people. I'm never doing this good. I'm never this good. It's like, yeah, right. He was no seriously. It was just like Tom Cruise and the color of money. Mailman Chris, uh, I was there for that. Mailman Chris shows up last night. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of out of practice. I haven't bowled enough. Whoa, strike! Put on my special <laughs> bowling shoes. Serious? <laughs> he's full on. He's Bill Murray and uh, he's Bill Murray and Kingpin. She's got his huge, his huge bowling ball with the rose in the center. And he went to great lengths to tell me about how he couldn't wear his bowling shoes anywhere but the bowling alley his because bowling of, shoes. because of his, if any moisture whatsoever touched his bowling shoes, they'd be ruined and he'd have to get rid of them. Whatever. All right. I got a pair of bowling shoes at home that I inadvertently just walked out of a bowling alley with some time ago. I think the last time that I bowled with Lara, we had that sort of aborted attempt at a couple's bowling night. And I went there, and I think the last night I actually bowled, I was just in such a bad mood after it because I just didn't want to be part of it that I walked home. I think, it, or, you know, I walked out to the car in my bowling shoes. So I think I've still got those at You home. sound like fun to go out with. No, I just, I couldn't, you know, I, I tried to be part of it, but you know what? I'm just not into sports, and bowling, sadly, is an athletic activity. I'm not saying it's not fun for people. It is. But it's, you know, it would be like me. You have the sports gene or you know. That's what I'm saying. And it'd be like putting me on a softball team. I'm not saying it's not, you know, there's a softball team upstairs. Those guys, you know, Bridget and Dave Zinn and those guys are on a softball team for CBS. Sure, it's a lot of fun. Just not for me. It's just not a thing. I, 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 as Tim said, I just lack in my head. The sports switch is just set to off. Uh, and it's just... You it, have the TV remote control gene instead. That's nothing exactly wrong with that. I have, I have the super gene. You don't get both. That's what I'm talking about. Well, plus the other fun part about bowling, which is another thing you don't do is drink, because we drank a ton oh, yeah. of beer. Oh. <laughs> a lot of beer. Like those, And for those pitchers, they're the, they're the ridiculous pitchers. I was so mad. They're the pitchers that they look huge. I'm like, wow, what a great deal. Eight dollars right. for domestic. And... um. Looked at it, and there's this huge silver, like, cylinder in the middle that's oh, yeah. filled with ice. Yeah. But it's basically the size of, like, a pint of it, Well, of it's the beer. same thing with those old-school bar glasses that are sort of like a figure eight. Mm-hmm. And it narrows in the middle, supposedly for ease of handling. But it's really just so they can it, it, they can shaft you out of beer. Oh, it, I was so mad. Yeah. It, was, it was very frustrating. You know, here's the... the but then my, I kept buying them. My last observation... I didn't even drink last night. My last observation about bowling is this, that when Laura and I were doing the, the couple's bowling thing, inexplicably, I was the best person on the team for some time. And I think it's because everybody else was just loaded. But I, I had some weird hot streak going where I got like three strikes in a row. And, of course, the thing is if you get three strikes in a row, you get a, you get a pitcher of beer. 
Uh, I think before the OLCC stopped in, uh, stepped in and, and stopped that. Um, but you would get a pitcher of beer. And so there was actually a couple times when I would bowl sufficiently, like they would just get drunker and drunker because they would all be drinking on my tab. Anyway, so there you go. So bowling, like that. Uh, and then, but so, so Tim and I were working until about 7.30 getting election results on the air. And the great thing is last night, Tim is getting these, you know, the, the updated election results from the from the CBS News Center on the air about every 10 minutes. At around 7:30, we just decide to call it a night because the logic is, well, we're not, you know, it's going to be midnight before we have a winner. Ne- we'll never figure out, you know, they're not going to announce it tonight. That's what the pundits told us. Exactly. No, this is going to go all night. Those college town results, they're, we're going to be counting those into the early morning. Mm-hmm. So Tim and I at about 7:30 are like, well, you know, screw it. Well, you know, they're not going to have these results anytime soon. Let's just go home. And so, of course, I wasn't gone five minutes. I shut everything down, put everything away, turn off the light. I, I hadn't, seriously, I wasn't half a mile away when suddenly, we are calling it for Hillary. So then I stopped by the bowling alley, and my wife was there, and like I said, everybody was there, and it, it, I stayed as long as I possibly could. I stayed like four, five, maybe six minutes, and then finally I was like, eh, but I have to get home and watch Hillary's victory speech. So I went home, and I just wallowed in front of the television until about 2 a.m., uh, just watching every single person try to explain their way out of this this uh, idiotic conundrum that they got themselves into by calling it for Obama like three days ago. So, by the way, a couple brief notes about last night. One, I don't know if you watched, uh, what's his name, Ron Paul? Did you see his speech? Uh, I have his speech? Some of his song bites Boy, here. okay, I wrote this down. This is my observation at 1048 p.m. Ron Paul equals Bruce Agler. Ron Paul and this means something to about 4% of the audience. If you uh, are familiar with Bruce Agler, our programmer emeritus, um, and he uh, calls the program every now and again. It, Ron Paul, it, it's that same thing where he's like way, way too smart to be in his chosen field. You know, you get the feeling that he, he has kind of that mad scientist chromosome going on. Uh, sort of waggles his arms a lot around really excitedly and just can't understand why things that are so simple for him are so so, are so complicated for everybody else. So he talks and sounds. He Because this is Ron Paul. And I, I know that we're talking about politics here, but I, it, at, at the very least, I would hope that we make it somewhat more interesting uh, than everybody else because I, you know, I'm sitting and talk about, you know, about platforms and planks and issues and whatever. My whole thing is just is just to analyze this as just some idiot on the sofa because that's kind of what I am. Here's the thing with Ron Paul. Here's why that guy will never be elected to anything. He tells the they, truth. They well, he, and he's just like way too smart for the room in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not crazy. He is deeply crazy, but like a lot of crazy people. It shot through with this sort of freakish intelligence that makes him completely inaccessible to the average American, and so. This is the New Hampshire primary. Ron Paul, of course, not going to be elected to anything, but he did get, you know, and he, what eight, nine percent something. He got more than he got more than Fred Thompson, I think. So he probably tied with Giuliani, who went down. And, nobody's talking about Rudy Giuliani anymore. Apparently, he's still running. But well, Ron Paul comes out last night to address his pack of loony supporters, and what does he say? Like, you know, this is a great time for America, or thank you all for supporting me and casting your votes, or it's on to South Carolina and let's win there, or go to RonPaul.com and send me some more of your money. No, he comes out and then begins this long, tedious dissertation on the gold standard as it affects the the, the American economic system. And you can just sort of sense, like, the energy in the room slowly deflating. 
And he begins waving his hands around and kind of like squishing up his shoulders. And it was like, we're taking us off the gold standard. And then you wonder why we have inflation. And it was and it was like I was back in an air checking session at KOTK. It was really fantastic. It was, it was you expected him to go like, and you got to give out the, the phone numbers a little bit more often. You're not you're not identifying the call letters that frequently. So that was great. Uh, let's see. A couple other uh, brief observations here. John McCain. So John McCain, who won last night, boy, did he seem old. Just old and feeble and out of touch. But, but you still have to remember, even though he won for the Republicans, by the number of votes, he actually came in fourth or fifth place. Well, and the thing is, he also won New Hampshire in 2000. It didn't do him any good there. No. Uh, so, I mean, he's not going to be the nominee. He's not going to win anything. But it was kind of good to see him, because he's just such a crotchety bastard. He's just such an old, grumpy dick. And it, it was sort of he great a good to... time sitting around, you know, drinking iced tea with Andy Rooney. <laughs> Watch with a name like Obama. Uh, but John McCain came out and... First of all, he enters to the Rocky theme, which is actually not too bad because he's sort of, you know, the, you know, the underdog and the whatever. He, he, punching me. he exited to Johnny B. Good, which is which is awkward. Uh, but about, I don't know, about two minutes into his speech, which was written in big letters in the, on the podium in front of him, it's like he just forgot how to read. And so, I mean, it's like the Republicans' worst nightmare because he's 71 years old, seems a little foggy sometimes and last night while giving his victory speech just would occasionally i mean you could see it in his eyes it would like he would he would just kind of go and he would just completely forget where he was what he was doing and what he was talking about and it would take him about 15 seconds to like get back on the page and occasionally whole sentences would come out of john mccain's mouth where you didn't understand what the hell he was saying or and you you got the feeling that he wasn't entirely sure like what room he was in um Final awkward moment, and then we'll do a couple of things. We'll take a break. we got Lisa Desjardins coming up at 1140. Did you catch... Boy, somebody on Barack Obama's advance team is going to be taken out back and beaten senseless. Did you catch what Barack Obama's... Uh, Sign seal delivered on yours? Yeah, oh, there you go. Mistake, girl. Oh, yeah, and you... So this is the thing. Barack Obama, you know, they have the stage music where you enter and you exit to, you know, to, to whatever. Hillary had that stupid Celine Dion song. And, you know, like Bill Clinton back in the day had the, um, you know, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow by Fleetwood Mac. Barack Obama, and it's probably not him, it's his advance man. And the advance man is sort of like the promo person or, you know, kind of maybe like the, the Becca or the Susan Reynolds or, you know, who goes and sort of sets up everything at the location before he speaks. They were so convinced that Barack was going to win last night. I mean, they were absolutely certain to their core that Barack was going to win. And so they had queued up as his music by Stevie Wonder, signed, sealed, delivered. Which is all very awkward and inappropriate last night, considering that he got this smacked by Hillary. So, anyway, so that's good. All right. Fantastic. Uh, do we have anything else we need to talk about now? Anything else we want to talk about? No. Have we missed anything here in this opening segment of the program. I think so. I think that may, in fact, be it. All right. Lisa Desjardins coming up. Jim Roop coming up. Mr. Skin coming up. Jackass 2.5. Uh, and all that. You stay there. It's 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Radio. Still being timely. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, apparently my wife wants to know that she broke 100 last night bowling. This is a awesome. great song. 
Wow. You know, the thing about Stevie Wonder is, I mean, I know it's easy to remember him as just the I just called to say I love you guy. Stevie Wonder is actually so great and so cool that it's amazing there's any greatness or coolness left over for the rest of the world. Wow. Anyway, so there you go, Stevie Wonder. So this is the this is the uh, this was Barack's stage music last night, which would have been fine had he won. As it was, it was just sort of cringing <laughs> and awkward. Yeah, so there you go. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Let's see, we have Lisa Desjardins uh, joining us from Manchester uh, in just a few. Uh, Tim Riley coming up at uh, noon. Corpse Watch, uh, Britney Watch, uh, let's see, Jackass 2.5, and we'll talk more about it. Somebody sent me an entire list of tram accidents, by the way. Let's see, we've got this. Rick, I'm just going to read a couple just to start here. Uh, Let's see. August 29th, 1961, a military plane splits the hauling cable of a cabin railway on an Aguil de Midi in Mont Blanc. Six people killed. How about this? July 13th, 1972, 13 people killed at the crash of a tram in Bettermalp, Switzerland. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about this? March 26th, 1976, damage to the carrying rope leads to the crash of multiple trams in the aerial tramway at Vail, Colorado, USA. Four killed, five injured. You want to hear one more? No. One? No, I'm really okay. How about this? October 19th, 2003, four killed and 11 injured when three cars slip off of the cable at the Darjeeling Ropeway Tram. Just getting a little food for thought. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, Hello. Sarah. Hello, Tim. Hello. Hello. Hey, um, real quick, I mean, I know you're you're uh, getting your, your gleeful uh, things about Barack Obama's no, no, no. guy. No, no, no. Uh, well, let me ask you something. Yes. Uh, how much did he win by in Iowa again? I'm sorry? Two, how, how many points did he win? Uh, I was nine, Two I think. Three? Nine. Was it nine? No, was it was it nine. Much? He had, because, and I know this because I tried to position it as some sort of a three-way lockup, and Lisa called me out on it. But, hey, I think it was in Iowa, which uh, you know, is you know not, not a primary but a caucus, but it was, I right. think, either eight or nine points because I think it was like Obama 37, Hillary, God, like 29, and then I think well, Edwards well, those, was at 30. I didn't know the final numbers, but yesterday, last night in New Hampshire, wasn't it Hillary 39, Obama 37? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were separated by about 10,000 votes last night. So do you think that that's a clear indication that everybody wants Hillary? No, no. I know. I, no, I, I no. hardly think that that's a comeback. I'm sorry? I don't look at that as being a comeback. Well, it's only a comeback in the sense that everybody had written her off. It's only a comeback in that everybody was predicting that she would come in third. That's the thing. Okay. I don't know that. I mean, one way to look at it is this. that Jesus, something like 52% of the voters chose somebody else. I mean, 50. That's, I have no illusions about this. More than half of the voters voted for somebody other than Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's It's simply that. It's like gratifying to me that every single person in the media and the polls were wrong. Every single one of them. Right. No, I hear you on that, Rick. I'm with you on that. So it's a game. It is in sales. It is called. uh, It's called managing expectations. Is what they call it upstairs, where you underpromise and overdeliver. And so (laughs) Hillary was really shrewd, actually, in that she did not try to. uh, She didn't claim that she was going to win. She didn't make a bunch of brash predictions about how she was. She didn't have sign sealed delivered as her stage music. Uh. And 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 as I think Lisa will concur later on it would have been it, i asked lisa yesterday i said who would a, a loss be worse for would it be worse for hillary because it's two losses in a row or is it worse for obama because it immediately takes away this this mantle of of you know of the anointed one and right. you know and she said it was worse for obama because everybody because he thought he had it locked up so right. 
But still, 37 to 39 is not a clear mandate. No, it's not. Don't get me wrong. I don't even really care. Uh, I'm just enjoying uh, seeing things sort of become chaotic. You are taking devilish glee in that. Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> true. No, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's, I have no vested interest apart from my own selfish desire to watch things implode. <laughs> and it's good that you are frank about that. Well, thanks, Rick. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. No, I don't think anybody ever gets a mandate in this country. Then the last mandate was was the Reagan over Mondale. I think that's it, man. I mean, I every I mean every election since then it's been, you know. Anyway, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Manchester, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Manchester, New Hampshire. How are you? Or is, uh, Good time. Did you catch Mike Huckabee pronouncing, uh, working on his pronunciation of the word chowda last night? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. That guy, it doesn't matter, win or lose, he's just he's a comedian. No matter what he does, he's always got something. I will tell you this, and I was making this observation yesterday, that the thing about Mike Huckabee, Mike Huckabee is sort of the John Bon Jovi of the political world in that he, <laughs> he never met uh, like a tired, hoary cliche that he couldn't string together with four other cliches into something unbelievably <laughs> cringe-inducingly bad but that the masses yet find <clears throat> that he knows it you know as my friend todd once said for something to, su to succeed in america it must have an air of mediocrity uh, mediocrity <laughs> thy name is huckabee uh, <laughs> no. i in the space of one day i heard him saying it's not about me it's about we it's not about being the people's leader but about being the people's servant it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog and then last oh, no. night, and last night he was rolling out the whole "I'm from the Midwest, but let me talk like a New Englander" kind of thing. So, yes, exactly. Anyway. All right. So, uh, what is the sentence that sums up last night, Lisa? Go. Oh, I'm I'm under pressure. The sentence that sums up last night. Uh, okay, this is the lesson of New Hampshire. It's going to be a long election. Yeah. Yes, it really is. Um. So, how is it that every single pundit in poll called it incorrectly yeah. for him right, about I don't... Hillary? Yeah, I'm interested to hear what, what you guys have been thinking on, on your show or what people have been saying, but this is my take. You know, CNN pays a lot of money along with other networks for these exit polls, and we have a huge amount of data. You know, and last night, really early on, I was combing through it, and uh, are you okay? I, I'm sorry. I have, I have a little uh, – uh, you shouldn't be able to hear that because I'm pressing my cough button. Oh, wow. Well, well, we'll, have to, we'll have to look into that. I guess I was clearing look my throat. Look into that I'm cough sorry. button, exactly. All right. Um, but uh, – Last, looking through the data, here's the deal with Hillary Clinton. She, Barack Obama, his number actually was exactly what the polls were predicting. Not that I love the polls, because honestly, I love it when the polls are wrong, because I'm sick of these polls basically telling us how we're going to vote. But anyway, the Barack, num Barack Obama number for the polls was actually correct. Where they were way off was on Hillary Clinton, and there were two factors there. One, there, there were a large number of undecided voters. One in six voters in New Hampshire made their minds up uh, the day of the election, that 24-hour period before the election. And those undecided voters swung toward Hillary, uh, especially women and also uh, blue-collar workers, the working class, people who make $50,000 or less. Uh, our exit polling says that they went to Hillary Clinton by 15 points, and I can tell you, you know, walking around Manchester yesterday talking to voters, uh, you know, pe people are worried about the economy. They are worried about their families. Uh, Blue-collar workers up there were telling me, we love Barack Obama. We think he's got a great message. But the truth is, we're worried, and we want, we want kind of a pit bull who's going to get the job done. We're not sure that Barack Obama can really seal the deal. We want someone that's kind of a slugger. And Hillary Clinton, that's what she was saying all last week, I'm a fighter. So 
she she won. But you know, again, just as you guys were saying, it, it was a two or three point, you know, depending on how you round it, uh, margin of victory for her. So not a huge victory, but it feels like it's huge because of that expectations game that we were talking about yesterday. Well, here's the the kind of the thing I was thinking about. <clears throat> Uh, with uh, with H- Hillary Clinton is that the strange thing about it is is that there have been a lot of these uh, the discussions over the last week or so about how people view her as being part of the system and she's an entrenched Washington insider and you know that she's a part of the machinery and the so forth. But the interesting, in, in a way, I suppose it's a backhanded compliment to her in that I think the issue that how do I put this? I think the thing that nobody has really talked about a lot or hasn't been focused on, and maybe it is to her credit is that nobody has really sat down and said, well, wait a minute, I mean, this is a woman who has a serious chance of becoming president for the first time in our nation's history. And I think that in a weird way, the female issue was just not even addressed uh, for a lot of her campaign. And I do feel like, and I think Carl Bernstein made this observation, that people did very much focus on Barack Obama and how, hey, look, there is a black man who has a serious chance to become president, and what a change and a step forward for the country that is. But I think... Hillary Clinton uh, made a concerted effort in the last few days to really point out to people, hey, look at me. This is your chance yeah. to put a woman in office. And I think that's where you, that's why that female vote spiked so strongly, because she, what was merely implicit, she then made explicit over the last few days. I've been thinking all morning long, you know, the, the, the big thing bantered around this morning by, you know, the, all the pundits, was you know did did the uh, did the tearing up did, did was that what did it was it not everyone talking about that but to me I was amazed that you no know, one was saying hey this this is the first woman to ever come this far you know we've never had a woman come this far in a presidential election you know and 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 people kind of because Hillary sort of downplayed that for so long it it really we sort of kind of bumped over it so no matter what happens to her campaign so far she's she's really already made history here in New Hampshire uh, how what does this do to Barack Obama's momentum. Oh, isn't that the question? You know, honestly, I, I think the two of them are almost even right now with a little bit of the edge going to Hillary because she beat expectations by so much and because she has been pumping out the press releases today. That Clinton machine is uh, rolling right along like a Barbara Streisand robot in South Park. And wow. They are, really, they are really pumping out press releases and saying where they're going to be, what they're going to do, how many calls here, how many calls there. Um, so you got to give the edge to Hillary Clinton, I think, right now. But Barack Obama, what he's got to do is he's got to, I think, um, keep that broad message, but he's, he's got to kind of shore up the base. That's what Hillary Clinton did so well in New Hampshire. She got that core Democratic voter, uh, and, and he's going to need those voters in South Carolina, uh, you know, where you do have lower-income families and you do have minorities that are traditional Democrats. Those are his for the taking if, if he if he plays it right, if he says to them tangibly, here's what I can do for you, here's what I understand about your problems. You know, but I think Hillary Clinton's just a little more tangible there. So he's gotta he's gotta I think focus a little bit more. Uh I I think his momentum is still really strong. I think he still has this kind of Bobby Kennedy air about him. But he's gotta um you know, put a backbone to it as well now. How much longer can Edwards stay in the race with these kind of numbers? Uh well, how much longer should he stay in the race, and how much longer can he stay in the race? He he can stay in the race for a long time. I mean, he can stay in the race all the way to the convention if he really wants to. Last night he said, uh, we have two races down, 48 races to go, you know, implying he's not leaving anytime soon. I think more realistically he, he really is, is hoping for some help from South Carolina. But I, I just see that as a slug match between uh, Obama and Clinton right now. But 
who knows, that's, that's the state. He was born in South Carolina. Maybe he'll get some help there. Uh, I don't know. I think he'll certainly stay in that long. Maybe he'll probably stay until Super Tuesday as well, just to see how he does around the country. Uh, out of sympathy for your deteriorating vocal condition, I'll wrap yes. this up here in just a second. But I, uh, on the Republican side, I mean, McCain, I mean, McCain also won the, uh, New Hampshire in 2000, did he not? Uh, That's right. Yes, he did in a big way. Right, exactly. Not necessarily an indication of anything. It seems like it is still very much, I mean, even uh, Giuliani, it seems like at this point it is still just a a crapshoot right now. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, I want to start sort of an NCAA pool-style kind of betting uh, thing, following all these different primaries along and who advances and who doesn't advance, because it really is completely up for grabs. We've got uh, Michigan coming up next week. Uh, then we've got Nevada, South Carolina, uh, Florida, and then Super Tuesday. You know, anything can happen between here and there. You know, personally, my my be- my, my best case scenario, which I think is very unlikely, would be to have an actual convention fight for all four of these uh, top guys in the Republican Party to stay in it, to have just the the convention delegates divvied up. Uh, you know, like a in, a in crazy ways, and for them to actually have a real convention fight. Uh, like the old days, very unlikely to happen because there's so much money involved and the Republican Party will put pressure on people to drop out. Uh, but it, it's, it's going to be a long fight. I, I don't know if we'll know Super Tuesday uh, who wins on the Republican side. We, we probably won't. It would be great to see a convention like the days of old. All you'll need is all you need to do is have Daly's cops bludgeoning protesters out front. Uh, <laughs> hey, and by the way, just before we go here, how how great and awful was it to hear "Signed, Sealed, Delivered" as uh, as Obama's uh, stage music last night? Um, oh, I know. That's an advanced man who clearly got a strong talking to after the uh, after the event, I would imagine. And I think I I, I haven't been able to confirm this, but. I think at the Hillary Clinton rally, I was hearing uh, Tom Petty's American Girl. Is that true? I, I didn't know. Sure. I only, that's I, what I thought I heard, but t- I couldn't get, no one would tell me that's for sure what it was. Tim Riley is saying that's the case. Tim? That's what it sounded okay. like to me. Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. But that was, I thought it was pretty, okay, she, she is going for the women. She's all about being a woman. That confirms what you were saying, Rick. Sisters are doing it for themselves, Lisa. And a lot of comment, a lot of emails are in CNN about the people who were behind her on stage. That if you looked in Iowa, it really was. I noticed Madeline Albright is gone. Madeline Albright is gone. Is gone. Though I'm a big fan of Madeline Albright. She'd, she'd be on my lesbian list, to be honest. Well, it does. It, okay. It <laughs> does. No, it does seem like the people standing behind Hillary on stage were a lot younger uh, last night than they That's were in what Iowa. It was, it was yeah. a lot of young college women. I mean, it was, it was mixed. There, there were, people, you know, men there and older people too, but mostly it was it was young screaming women. And 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 we're going to see a lot more of that from her campaign. She's. She, I think they they really felt Obama taking the young vote away from them in uh, Iowa, and they want it back, and, and they really worked hard in New Hampshire. But it, Obama ended up, did he did win the young vote in New Hampshire, but she's still going for it. All right. Go have some hot tea and lemon and recuperate, okay. and we will talk to you soon. And by the way, your tote board went up exponentially today with the Mecca Streisand reference. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Travel safe. Got it. Okay. All right. They go Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. What was Hillary wearing last night? You were just noting that. Is that a picture of Chastity Bono, by the way? Well, that was the other question. Yes, that's a, a guessing game. Hold that on. Is, that I, is... And let me just back up for a second. I didn't want to ask her to clarify this on the air in case I heard it wrong. Did Lisa say that Madeleine Albright was on, on her lesbian, lesbian list? list? Yeah. What does that mean? I Sarah, don't know. go. I have no idea. Does that mean that if she were... Uh, Boy, I'm on such thin ice here. Does that mean that if Lisa uh, uh, were to, if she were to engage with another woman, it would be Madeline Albright? (laughs) Look at (laughs) exactly. That's exactly what. Well, to each his own, Tim. There is someone for everyone inside the Beltline.
Shudder. Uh, all right. What is, why are you showing me Chastity Bono? Well, because it was a mystery pick. I wanted people to guess who these people Anderson? are. No, it's Chastity Bono. That's Who's the other one? Wait, that's... Wait, hold on a minute. Is that Chastity Bono? Yes, it is. That is... That can't be Cher. What? Wow. Really? Can you go back up for a second? Go to my website, RidleyLive.com. What happened to Cher? And, you know, the thing is, she's fat on top, oh, and still thin down below. What happened to her face? That's Cher. That's Cher. She doesn't look that fat. That looks like an unflattering angle. Uh, what about Hillary Clinton? Look, looks like Where... she's just sort of sharing the food. Hillary Clinton wearing my grandmother's <laughs> couch. Helpful. All right, so you go to RileyLive.com. Uh, go to RileyLive.com, and you can see this. I mean, Cher just looks sort of reptilian there. Cher and uh, Chastity Bono. Well, they're pitching a reality show. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, who wouldn't watch a share reality show? No, I, I, I probably would. To, I mean, to, to, I mean, just to, I mean, just because she's just such a robot. I mean, she's, she's like a robo celebrity. Um, and then there's that picture of Hillary Clinton, right? This is on at RileyLive.com. Hillary Clinton wearing what is uh, my grandmother's couch. I was just gonna say it's sort of, it does look like a thing that like an old person might have hanging over their drapes. Oh, bad. <laughs> A little doily on the coffee table. Yeah. I gotta tell you though, last night la- looks really pretty though. though. Yeah, she, you know, here, she looked terrific. I I don't know that she's had work done. I don't think she has because I think it would be too much publicity. I don't think Hillary Clinton would get plastic surgery right now or cosmetic surgery. It's all in the lighting because I think it would be bad PR. I think you know. Don't you think they'd hang her with that? Mm-hmm. Getting a nose job before the primary. Hillary Clinton's all about style over substance. Unless she did something subtle, like she could get a little nip tuck. But uh, her makeup, her hair, the lighting. Uh, these things all matter in politics, whether we think that they don't or, or not or whatever or shouldn't. Uh, they do. Uh, Hillary looks really good this campaign. And you know what? And people can say this makes me sad however you want to. Her hair is fantastic. She has great hair. I like her lipstick. She color. really does. Um, I'd vote for that hair. Well, you know, but it, I mean, just look, we talked about, um, didn't you say that when she, uh, either during or after uh, Rockstar or something, didn't you say that Storm got like a stylist or, a, you know, somebody to... Yeah, because remember before she went, she was saying how she would wear sweatpants and like wife beaters every day. You know, and then somebody, you know, they, they got somebody to kind they of say, put that. this on and burn this. Uh, Hillary clearly has a what-not-to-wear person working with her right now. That She's gotten rid of some of those terrible, like, pantsuit things she used to wear. Throwing them into a big barrel. Yeah, completely. Uh, so Hillary does look really good. And I have to say, last night when she was talking, that was the old stuff, man. I mean, she just, uh, you know, she just did the big sack right there is what she had last night. Just, it, uh, well, it's hi- hidden behind the podium. <laughs> you can't see the only reason you can't see them. <laughs> That's why she has the podium, to hide the sack. Uh, it, it wasn't like a crushing uh, repudiation of Barack Obama, who again, uh, again last night proved himself to be he as uh, just as the power of his speech has really grown exponentially over yeah. the last year. He does have that weight, man. He has the gravity when he talks. How dare he give people hope? <laughs> Was that Dennis Miller this morning? One of his guests. Yes. We've had it up to here with Barack Obama giving people hope. What kind of a message is that? Uh, I know the the God. first person who. Uh, who came out on stage when Hillary yeah. got up with the, was Chelsea, followed by Bill. Yeah. And they were both only there for like a split second. Yeah, well, she, I think, has figured out that that it, it, nobody knows. Like, there's nobody unaware that she's married to Bill Clinton. Like, that point has been made. Mm-hmm. So now she just kind of, look, look, Bill Clinton, and then whisks and him away. Ugly Chelsea. Boy, you know, there was this photograph that somebody put on my MySpace uh, uh, blog the other, or my comment board or whatever. Uh, it's Rick Emerson. Uh, I'm sorry, MySpace.com slash Rick Emerson. Somebody posted this photo of uh, Chelsea. Uh, last week, where she was just flat out hot, but then 
somebody else noted immediately after that, well, I think that's all about the camera angle. Mm-hmm. And it is true. That's I what saw, I think it is with Cher. I, I don't saw think Chelsea Cher's, last night. I don't think Cher's fat. I think that's just a bad, do you say it's like shooting up? I, I can't imagine Cher allowing herself to become fat. It seems like Cher just has, I don't know, like there's some army of nanobots that are just on constant search and destroy missions inside her body for lipids. And as soon as she be, puts on an ounce, she just gets it removed. But there's a, but Chelsea Clinton was back to the old weird face, Chelsea, last night. She did not look good. So, uh, you know, what can you do? It's, it's such a shame, though, too. I mean, because, you know, Bill, who has a certain amount of charm and charisma, and Hillary Clinton, who is not an unattractive woman, and yet Chelsea, that's like the two great tastes that just turn out just a big, a big, big bag of bad is what that is. But, I mean, I'd still do her. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, you, Did know, you get the that light switch for a reason. What? That sense of you of Monica Lewinsky? No. When? I Where? Sure. That's so funny. We were just talking about it yesterday. To, what, to, to my other address? Mm-hmm. And um, someone took a picture of her yesterday on TMZ. Wait, does she look good? Do I want to see it or not? Is it going to ruin my uh, image no, of Monica? Because, no, I think she's she's a little bigger, but I don't think you'll mind. Yeah, no, that's okay with me. That's, I know. Uh, in, you know, that's that's not a problem. I'm fine with that. Unless she might be of some help to Hillary. More of her to love. Um, all right, hold on. I'm opening this picture of Monica Lewinsky right now. Where was this take? Is this, what was she doing here? I don't have TMZ. a caption. Was she just out walking? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, see, you know what? I'm totally fine with that. I am totally okay with that. Yeah, she's still uh, still cute as a button, my Monica. All right, uh, let's see. Well, we should probably break here. We'll come back on time for once in our godforsaken lives. Uh, we will do the noon news hour next with your personal savior, Tim Riley. Brittany Watch, Corpse Watch, Religious Nutcase Watch. Later on, Jackass 2.5, Mr. Skin Moore. You stay there. Steve Rick Emerson Show on AM970 Solid State Radio, live from Portland. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program. You know, I didn't hear this last night, but if this is her stage music, that's a really fantastic choice. Because it's got the two things all, you know, it's got America in the title, which plays well in the heartland. Uh, and then it does underscore the fact that she's a female candidate. Excellent. God, what a great song this is. I'm saying pound for pound. That Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Greatest Hits record is what that's, I mean, that's one of the best things ever put up. Really, if you look at like a, a track-by-track basis. Uh, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, this all goes to show how fearful nature is. How would you like to be driving down an Oregon highway and all of a sudden you're buried in an avalanche? Not at all. That's how much I'd like that. Well, three pe- uh, three cars have been dug up from this avalanche on U.S. Highway 20. Uh, and I guess the uh, three cars were trapped by this avalanche at Santiam Pass. Five separate snow slides rolled off a half-mile stretch of the highway just west of Sisters. And uh, ODOT snow plows are working in the area to try to clear it up. So luckily nobody was hurt, but certainly that would ruin my day. I don't think so. This email says, 
Hey, about Cher. Tim Riley's posted picture of Cher is freaking enough in the face and torso, but what the hell is going on with her left arm? Never mind the skin tone on both her hands seems to be completely at odds with her face and shoulders. We were just talking about her yeah. skin tone. Like a hypothermic... <laughs> wow. Really? He says, the skin tone on her hands seems to be completely at odds with her face and shoulders. Sort of like a hypothermic scrotum compared to a carrot. I never thought of it quite that way. <laughs> the action in the shot may have something to do with it, but the way she carries her left appendage is reminiscent of Bob Dole. And her hand looks like it's about to separate from her body and attack Chastity Bono like Army of Darkness. It looks like on her left wow. hand she is wearing a, a mitten with the uh, fingertips cut off. All right, hold on. Now I have to look again. RileyLive.com. Take a look. Left hand. All right. Let's the tips see. cut off the mittens. Do you uh, not agree? Oh, I got like to enlarge it here. Yeah, I could, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But only in the... No, I don't think so. No, no, no. I can see a little a little crease where her, in the palm. That's not a mitten. That's no moon. That's not a mitten. That's a, that's her hand, unbelievably. Oh. And he's totally right that, like, the color of her hands is completely different from the skin on the rest of her body. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Boy, chastity bonnet, you could just probably... Don't mess with her. <laughs> feel, you turn can, you into a pretzel. It's like, just looking at this photograph, you can feel the vibrations from her footsteps. All right, there you go. Keep expecting Mothra to come over the horizon and attack her. Here's Tim Riley. Here, the floor squeak. <laughs> the sneakers screaming with every step. Well, temperatures that dropped just before sunrise created a thin layer of ice across Washington County this morning. Contributing to at least 17 accidents within two hours. At least one person was trapped in a rollover on Northwest Cornelius Pass Road at uh, Northwest Long Road. Life light was called in. A pregnant woman crashed into a utility pole at Northwest Glencore Road and Northwest Beach Road. A quarter mile south of Highway 26, she was taken away by ambulance. There were several crashes on Highway 26, as well as accidents on Hillsborough Highway, Springville Road, and Northeast 185th Avenue and Germantown Road. By the way, Tim, in case you wanted uh, verification of this, this guy says, Rick, I was hit by an avalanche on Multnomah Boulevard during the big flood of 96. Yes, it does, in fact, suck and blow. It was like a scene out of some Indiana Jones film. So there you go. The verification that it is, in fact, bad. It's almost like you're, you're into the wild. Exactly. Wait, and then, but then, and then you start. Have you ever been in a situation like that where maybe you're going over a pass, or you're having to go some narrow, windy mountain road, and it's snowing, or there's a blizzard, or it's rain? And then, of course, at that point, you start thinking about how you have been told 500,000 times by every radio and television PSA on earth of all the things you're supposed to have in the trunk of your car in case you get stranded somewhere, and you have none of them. Zero. You have like one half of a jumper cable that doesn't work. And a bunch of CDs you tried to sell at the store at one point that they wouldn't buy, so you just shove them back into the trunk of your car. A spare tire that's good for about 15 miles, and like a baby blanket. And that's it. And that's all you've got in the trunk here. And you vow to yourself, if I'm getting out of the, if I get out of this, I'm going to go right to G.I. Joe's and get an entire survival kit. For, and then, of course, you never do. Yeah. Then you can expect to slide off, you know, the road early in the morning with no help at least once a year. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's happened to me before. Man, I, uh, the, the number of times. I remember, God, going. I was in God, when I was in Washington State. I was trying to get to work at like 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yep. I was running late, speeding to work. I got to be there for my air shift. Speeding and go around a, a, a sharp, you know, uh, you know, like a hairpin turn, slide completely over the shoulder into a ditch. Yep. Uh, and of course, I didn't have a cell phone at that point in my life. And so, of course, you just get out of the car, and I had to run down the street to the station, and then 
you know, the other DJ doesn't care about my problems. I'm like, I just put my car in a dish. That's fine. I stacked up your next three records. i got to go. And he leaves. There's no automation. So I am then compelled to sit there and do my airship for six hours while my car is sitting in a ditch down the street, undoubtedly being ravaged by thieves. That's always a good feeling. Uh, police in Beaverton arrested a guy accused of stabbing a woman in Beaverton and then trying to stuff her into his trunk. Detectives found the 27-year-old victim in an apartment on Southwest Hall Boulevard on the ground with stab wounds. Witnesses told police they saw a man trying to stuff her into the trunk of his car. The victim is a woman in her 20s. Police have arrested 29-year-old minor Garia Perez on attempted murder and assault. Wait, so she's not dead? No. So he just stabbed her enough to subdue her and then decided to keep her in a footlocker for a while? Yes. All right. A Medford woman in jail, a bail set at $100,000, accused of attacking a man with a knife and blinding him in the left eye. Wow. 23-year-old Megan Whitehead is accused of assaulting 23-year-old Anthony Thayer. Uh, she hit him in the head with a beer bottle and then stabbed him in the eye. Three people moved into this Medford home Sunday, and they were holding a party. And they say the fighting began after someone whom they did not identify crashed the party. This is a game of mumbledy peg gone terribly wrong. So, back to this story. We talked about this yesterday. It remains unclear why no government agency ever notified the public about the sexual assault at the Gresham Max station on Christmas Eve that we mentioned for the first time yesterday. Well, I wondered, I wondered that yesterday because that's, what, that's three weeks ago or something. Apparently somebody doesn't want people to know about this stuff. Uh, this until a 41-year-old woman brought her story to the media. Evidently only a handful of officials were aware it occurred. It started with the Gresham uh, Police Department spokesman who redirected reporter Brad Schmidt to TriMet, who in turn sent it to Portland Police spo spokesperson Brian Schmatz, who confirmed details of the case, but said it was in TriMet's jurisdiction. It's a messy deal. Uh, according to the newspaper report, TriMet, Portland, and Gresham law enforcement officials have been debating among themselves who is responsible for this case. At least the third violent attack on the, right the uh, rail line since November... Until recently, Trimet has de denied violent crime existed on the Max of line, not. maintaining the problem was merely one of the pro public's perception and not reality. Of course. She only perceived that she was brutally raped. Uh, so Gresham's mayor, Shane Bemis, says, I'm absolutely disgusted that there is a third heinous crime that happened on the Max line in our city. We cannot move quick enough to get this safe. Well, but Why can't they move quick enough to get this thing? I, but my thing is, okay, so the, the, that's a matter of public record, so shouldn't yeah. the newspaper or somebody have found that out right away? Like, doesn't the newspaper check the crime blotter? I would think so. I, isn't that the, or maybe, they just, maybe they've just fired everybody who does that. But I, I thought that, that was the deal if you were on the beat or the city desk or whatever, that the part of the deal is every morning you looked at the crime blotter for the night before and you would report whatever happened. Unless the police just didn't, uh, unless it was just not made available to the public or something. Maybe it wasn't in the logbook. Mm. So anyway, people are upset. Well, just uh, avoid do? that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going, man? What's, what's up? Hey, uh, so I was, uh, I was, it uh, reminded me when you were uh, talking about people not having proper survival equipment in their, uh, in their trunk of their car like yes. they should. Me and a friend of mine is in August. We decided, hey, let's go to Crater Lake. <laughs> and, and we figured we would just stay at the lodge. So we got all the way down there. And I'm... I mean, I'm from the Midwest, so I don't know, you know, anything about the mountains, you know. So we get there. I didn't realize it's in the middle of nowhere. The lodge is the only place there is. Uh-huh. And we get there. There's only one room left, and it's like $200. We're like, that's that. So, uh, so, so we thought we'd go somewhere else to stay, stay for the night. Yeah, there is no somewhere else. No, there is nowhere else. So we ended up having to camp in the car. And it was August. We thought it would be warm, but it was freezing cold. And we had to keep ourselves warm with Olive Garden uh, aprons. 
That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Why did you, first of all, just like one apron each, or did you somehow have a whole box of them? No, the, the, uh, my friend is a, uh, or was a, a, uh, a waitress at the uh, Olive Garden, and she, you know, she classically forgets her uniform, so she has to go in apron, and then she washed all of them. And I was them sad, back huddled for warmth behind, behind, underneath a pile of Olive Garden aprons. Yeah, it was a very uncomfortable night. That's exactly how you want your body to be found, by the way, in the trashiest thing possible. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Well, see, there you go. So the, the moral is, if you're not careful, you end up being one of those stories that we made fun of, sir. Exactly. Glad right. it all worked out for you. Thanks, sir. All right, thank you. There you go. Wow. Okay, here's Tim Riley. Well, a spanky, a two-year-old Boston Terrier from Eugene is among 20 finalists in the national competition to find Circuit City's new fire dog for their next commercial. If a spanky wins, he'll star in a fire dog commercial and earn $50,000 with the Green Hill Humane Society. His owner, Claudia, said they're excited about the chance to earn the big money. Also competing is Donnie, owned by Florence and Bob, who, uh, Oh, oh, Bob, who lives in Florence, I see. If Donnie wins, the prize will go to the Florence Area Humane Society. The winning dog who owns a dollar per vote for the animal shelter also makes more money, so the voting ends January 26th. So, okay, this is the religious nutcase watch for today. Here's your um, very weird religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. from Hayden, Idaho, wherever that might be. A man who believed he bore the mark of the beast used a circular saw to amputate one of his hands, put it in a microwave, and summoned authorities. <laughs> the man That's in wonderful. his mid-20s was calm when deputies arrived at his home in this North Idaho town, and neither he nor the severed hand bore any uh, notable tattoo or other marks, said the sheriff. Uh, it had been uh, somewhat cooked by the time the deputy arrived. The man whose name was being withheld is put in protective custody in the mental health unit of the Kootenanny Medical Center in Coeur d'Alene, where he and the hand were taken by ambulance. Hospital spokesman would not say whether an attempt was made to reattach the hand, uh, setting patient confidentiality restrictions. But I would think that he would be dead if you cut your hand off with a circular saw. Mm. First of all, let's all give it up for the, the, the you know the sturdiness of American uh, the carpentry equipment. Mm -hmm. If you're able to cut your hand up with a circular saw, first of all, I, I don't even know how that would work because it seems like our circular saws made to go through bone, and if so, isn't that a little disturbing? Why not try it today? Don't try it today, kids. I well, can I just tell you this? Let me. As growing up as the son of a carpenter, my dad had in his garage. Uh, one of those huge industrial table saws. Uh, from, They're scary. From Black & Decker. Yeah. My dad has one of those, and I don't a know A table why. saw? Man, a table saw is freaky. Yeah. I mean, these are those things, and, and, and of course, I don't think I'm alone in this. Am I, am I right that when you are dealing with or have experience with some sort of weird, uh, you know, like a carpentry tool or some sort of, you know, like a drill or like a power belt thing or, you know, whatever, a sanding device, almost... In spite of yourself, you start thinking about what would happen if you stuck your hand into it. Uh, I think that's just human nature. Like a fan. Yeah, it's, it's like, like when you're exactly. driving down the road. I'm going like, to stick my fingers in a fan. Or I could swerve across the lane. and. Or when you're on top of a building and you start thinking about, what would it be like to jump? I think you just do stuff like that. Uh, see, it's not just me. But my dad had this table saw, and 
uh, and he would just sit there and be, you know, feeding. And let me just tell you this. Here's another thing. Those circular saws, uh, which is the kind of you hold in your hand, and it's the round blade, and it's got the guard that comes up as you're sawing, those things make the most singular shrieking noise. Mm-hmm. That's a noise that you never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, my, you know, my dad just, it was building crap all the time, and like, what are you doing? I'm building a boathouse on the side of the home. Well, okay. And so he was just constantly in the garage cutting things. And I will never forget that shrieking sound of the saw. I don't know why. It just, it was like nails on a chalkboard to me. It always has been. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because he gets that high-pitched whine as he's going through the wood. But he had the table saw, and for reasons lost to me, probably because he was drunk, but for reasons lost to me now, like he would get to a certain point in whatever the day's wood-cutting activities were and just decide that it was my turn to help out, and I was like nine. And so he's like having me shove these huge boards across the table saw. Like, I'm not even of the age of reason yet, and he's you know, handling this thing and cut all my limbs off in a trice. So, uh... But because of that, though, I always did think, like, what would happen if it just dropped your hand on that? And I guess now we know the answer. It would cut your hand clean off. But how would you not then just bleed to death is my question. He said he put a tourniquet in his arm before it, so he Uh, didn't want to bleed to death. uh, There you go. This kind of mental illness is just that. The New Testament book of Revelation contains a passage in which an angel is quoted as saying, according to the New International Version of the Bible, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury. The book of Matthew also contains this message. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Did they talk like that back then? Well, he didn't throw it away, though. He. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Well, okay. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's your religious nutcase watch for Wednesday. Watu, Maratu, Nictu. I mean, how bored do you have to be to sit around and read this and take action on your own? I mean, of all the how-to books out there, <laughs> I'm Bob Why Vila. Why did you choose this one? It's like your first book. Hand. <laughs> okay, now that's funny. I was going to make it a long joke, and you just you just went right there to the bottom of the page. This old hand. You just picked. I wish I had the this old house thing. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Um, oh, please, please let this, uh, please let the, the this old house theme. Be right here. I think there's going to be a second while I try to cue this up. Let's see. This old house. Let's see. It'll be a minute. We can wait. Let's see if this old... I'm just trying to find that opening music to this old house. Uh, I don't remember what that's I'll wait here. Uh, no, I don't have it. Because you know that... Uh, there was that... And it was on the... Um, what do you call it? Not the oboe, but the uh, the clarinet. Uh-huh. And it was a... And I just picture that this old house theme, and I got like... In the background with the saw. Your first book, Plucking Out the Mark of the Beast, will arrive by mail. If you like that, subsequent books will follow, such as Kitchens and Bathrooms. Uh, all right. Fantastic. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, you missed the obvious joke. Yes. This is Mailman Brian. Um, did, when the police came, did he say to the police, you're going to have to talk to the hand? Hello? Thank you. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, I got a hand cutting story for you. All right. Of course you do. 
What is it? Two by four is only an inch and a half deep, and a, a builder friend of mine was just trying to cut it just barely through there. Uh-huh. So he had the blade set up. He runs the saw. <laughs> he put his hand underneath. Off. He put his hand underneath, and he cut up a bunch of the 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 hand, the palm of the hand. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. This is a circular saw. Circular saw. Oh, another right. table saw. Okay, so he's holding, he's holding the two by four in his hand. He brings yeah. the circular saw down from above. Right. Thinking he's not going to cut all the way through the 2x4. And he put his hand on the bottom of the 2x4 to make sure that he didn't, but of course yeah. it was too much, so he cut the bottom of his hand. Well done. Ugh. Well, 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 gets better. He goes to the hospital, obviously gets all stitched up. He, everybody's asking, well, how'd you do this? He then proceeds to show how he did it with the saw running again. <laughs> That's wonderful. Same hand. Yeah, not, I mean, all he had to do was tell us, but no, he had to show us. Let me show you. <laughs> I, took him, I took him to the hospital the second time. That is fantastic. Thank you, sir. God you bless bet. you. That's the best call of the day. Thank you. Very wonderful. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, I don't yeah, like that sound. Yeah. All right. Hello, Tim Riley. You look perplexed. No, we we just think along the same lines sometimes, and we uh, we don't check our stories. You just happen to pull a, a lot of things that I do, and I have no idea where you would have found them because, well, I found them myself. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Sometimes we, we think alike. Here's know? the thing: is that Tim and I are actually when we prepare the show, is a little inside. We, you know, what we got to do one of these days. We get a little camera and just do a walking tour of CBS Radio Portland, put it on the net. What do you think about that? Show people where the magic comes from. So uh, when we prepare the show, we're actually in three different places. T- uh, Sarah is in here during her special Internet time, uh, during mm-hmm. which no one can talk to her. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim is down the hall in, the in, meat in a meat locker, a room that is about 64 With degrees. With my scarf and winter coat on. <laughs> which is great, though. I mean, it, Tim's, Tim's room is set off in the rest, of the, uh, the rest of the place, and it's behind, like, five different doors. But it really is unbelievably cold in there. It's like you expect to go and he's punching a side of beef. And then I am upstairs. But we, uh, but we all go print to the same printer. So three different computers, three different people, all printing out to the same printer. And then I will go, and I will go rifle through the news stories, and I will see that in completely different sections of the Internet, you and I have inexplicably found the same stories. Because yeah. our brains like, do really... This is unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> I mean this, this stuff does take some effort. I know. And these aren't stories that are just laying around. No, for they're they're these are obscure news stories. And yet Tim and I will find them in completely different places. So... That's what makes this program great. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a corpse watch. Here's double. your uh, double corpse watch. Yeah. For uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up phones. I'm digging up phones. Doing things that's better left alone. I'm memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yet tonight I'm sitting alone. Jim Riley with your corpse watch. Number one. A crematorium is to keep mourners warm by burning the bodies of loved ones. (laughs) Heat created by burning the dead at the crematorium could be used to keep mourners warm under a plan to make funerals more environmentally friendly. It's mother's last gift to you. Instead of letting the gases emitted by cremation escape into the atmosphere, uh, they want to use them to heat radiators or even generate electricity. Uh, Let's see here. This is called corpse heat. Uh, bosses and corpsey, corpse heat. Oh, it was like corpsey, like a mascot. Yeah, Hi, they... kids, I'm corpsey. Uh, they admit that they uh, might find the idea of being kept warm by the remains of loved ones a little bit macabre. 
there is no religious objection or even tighter controls on pollution. Tim, there's nothing warmer than a mother's uh, arms and legs and torso. R2. Uh, two men uh, wheeled a dead man through the streets in an office chair to a check-cashing store and tried to cash his Social Security <laughs> check before being arrested in New York City. Make it up to Bernie. David J. DeLea and James O'Hare push Viago uh, Clinton's body from the Manhattan apartment that O'Hare and Clinton share to Payomatic. <laughs> Payomatic, <laughs> really? Payomatic, yeah. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The witnesses saw the two pushing Genius. the chair with Clinton flopping from side to side, <laughs> and the two individuals propping really? him up and keeping him from flopping over. I mean, I know that every hack DJ in the world is going to make a weekend at Bernie's joke about this, but how can you not? Pushing it means bodies flopping around and they're pushing it down the street? The men left the body outside the store and decided to cash a $355 check. <laughs> the store's clerk who knew uh, Clinton asked the man uh, where he was, and O'Hare uh, pointed to him. That's him out there. Slump. A police detective, who was having lunch at a restaurant next to the check cashing place, noticed a crowd forming around the dead body. It's immediately apparent that he is dead. The detective called Uniform New York uh, Police Department officials at a nearby precinct. Emergency medical technicians arrived and the Jesus. pair were arrested after preparing to wheel his body into the check cashing store. Uh, the body was taken to a hospital morgue. It appears that he died of natural causes within the past 24 hours. It does make you wonder if the check-cashing ruse with his body had been successful, would they have just rolled him back home and then rolled him back down there like two weeks later? Would they have just... And would they have then taken steps to preserve the body to keep Kate, like those checks coming as long as possible? I like to think that the answer is yes. Yes. All right, there's your corp I'm watch. Wonderful. Whatever happened to Randy Travis? I saw him recently. On TV or something? On TV. He looks old. He is, well, he was a little weathered looking even in his heyday. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Okay, so let's go to Hollywood. First, nominations are in for the Directors Guild of America Awards. Another award show. Our outstanding directorial achievement is the feature film, There Will Be Blood. And then, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Sean Penn for Into the Wild. Uh, Tony... The what and the what? Sean Penn. No, The Diving the something? Diving Bell? The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Who knows what that... Raise your hand if you know that film. I don't. No one. No. All right. Uh, the Coen Brothers, uh, No Country for Old Men. With the reception of Joel... The exception of Joel Cohen, this is the first time the rest of the nominees, including Joel's brother Ethan Cohen, have been recognized for this award. Now, do you get to watch these films, too? I don't think so. I'm this not a member of the Director's oh, Guild. the Screen Actors Guild. All right. Yeah, this is the DGA. Have you uh, have you watched your Screen Actors Guild screeners yet? They haven't arrived yet. Oh, really? By, when you get them, by when do you have to vote? Uh, the 25th. All right, excellent. Do you, are you getting There Will Be Blood? Tickets to There Will Be Blood. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got to let me know if it's good. All right. I might not go. Okay, you pass those to Rick Emerson if you do I'll do that. All right. Warner Brothers may cut 1,000 jobs. Up to 1,000 employees of the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank could be laid off after Friday. This is due to the writer's strike. The studio distributed legally mandated warning notices November 12th, five days after the WGA walkout, stating that recipients could be subject to layoff within 60 days. The notices represent the first concrete sign that the strike may trigger massive job cuts across Hollywood. A Warner Brothers spokeswoman declined to say how many pink slips might eventually fly. She said the notices were mandated under the U.S. Department of Labor's Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notifications Regulations, which are designed to give employees some advance notice of possible job eliminations in the event of the strike. 
Uh, news of the development circulated the 65th day of the Ranger strike. It isn't immediately clear if any of the, the major studios have issued similar notifications. Some TV studios, including Warner Brothers TV, are expected to send out letters shortly to terminate deals with selected writers and producers. And on the film side, Universal recently parted ways with Vertigo Entertainment, the company behind the ring, and Grudge Horror Movies upon expiration of their production pact. In the 1988 DGA strike, uh, almost every studio eventually laid off scores of workers during the five-month work stoppage. Now, is anybody here watching something that's going to be stopped? Well, you're watching Lost. Has it started yet? They only have eight episodes. Nope, the 31st. Okay, but then they got two months' worth of episodes, and then it's going to halt. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be... Well, you've got to be used to that as a Lost fan, though. Because no, even when they even when so the show was in production, seven months already. It's well, like it's fine. Well, and even when they had writers, Lost would sometimes go. And now we're taking three weeks off. Yep. Then a flashback mm-hmm. episode. Then a best of. Then you know. So I, I mean, I got. I'm just excited to to just see it in general. I don't care when it comes. I mean, and again, I am in sympathy with the writers, as I think we all are. But yeah. the, the the fact is, the matter is, it's not going to affect me because the wire is my you know, which is the best thing on television for me anyway, is done in the can, and they started rolling it out on Sunday, so I got a whole season of the wire to watch. Uh, then they're going to be putting Dexter, which by all accounts is a really good show. I haven't watched it because it's on Showtime. But they're going to be moving Dexter to CBS in February, so I got that to watch. So, I mean, it's going to be a long time before I run out of things to watch. Uh, so, I, I mean, I hope the writers go can stick this out. I really do, because they're kind of getting the shaft from the studios. Yeah. Uh, but it it doesn't it doesn't seem like time is on their side. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it hey, going? What's up? Well, hey, I, uh, I sell sauce. And, you, uh, you sell what? Oh, sauce. I sell sauce, Of yeah. course. Yeah, so go back. And uh yeah, there there's something about, you know, you take it out of the box, take a look at it, stick your thumb on the blade and think if I plug this in I could rip off my entire hand right now. Is that one of the sales points? <laughs> well, is that is your a... is that is your like demonstrate let me tell you about the Dominator X ten Sawzomatic. This thing can take your entire leg off in half a second. Also your family and friends before the police can get there. Let me scatter a few pieces of wood on your living room floor. <laughs> You know, it's just one of those fleeting thoughts as you get ready to stick it on the shelf. Now, do you only sell saws or do you sell other power tools? I sell basically anything that you could kill yourself with. Like a Makita drill? Absolutely. All right. What do you think about with a Makita drill? Do you ever think about if you just jam that into your eye? No. You know what I think about a lot? Here's the thing that I think about. This is like one of those Canadian PSAs. You know what I think? Every time I'm walking across the kitchen holding a knife, I think about if I tripped and I fell at just the right angle, this would go right into my chest. Especially when you're wearing socks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think about. I do think about that. I think mm. about that. If I if I were to slip and uh, rise under rise under the paring knife, um, yeah. When I, you're alone, I think about. Well, this is a and this next one is well covered ta- uh, territory on this program. The other day, I had to clean out the garbage disposal, and not Losing only. Fingers. I mean, what's that? Losing fingers. No. Yeah. No. 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 And I and I turn the switch off and I make everybody stay out of the kitchen. You know, Lara, whoever's around, I'm all like, stay out of the kitchen. I'm clean. And she's like, well, you've got to turn it off. I'm like, I don't want anybody tripping and. You know, because I always think in my head that it's like a Rube Goldberg thing. She will trip and hit a spatula. The spatula will fire an egg through the air. The air will land on a ladle. The ladle will turn on a light switch. The light switch will trigger some moths to scatter throughout the room. And then the moths will, you know, will hit the switch for the garbage disposal, and then I'll lose a hand. So that's how it works inside my head. So Why the garbage disposal have to be cleaned? Uh, because there was something that had fallen down into it that would not, um, you know, have you seen that show, Will It Blend? This is the Will It Dispose. There was something that would not dispose. I think it was a, um, I think it was a, it was a citrus rind of some kind. I think it was a, li- a li- uh, lime rind. Uh, quick note on table sauce. Yeah. They will cut through your hand, but they will not cut through Talking Tina. <laughs> really? That's, that's what I got. <laughs> My name is Talking Tina, and I don't like you. Thank you. 
See ya. There you go. That was the best pop culture reference of the week right there. They will not cut through talking Tina. My name is Talking Tina, and I'm going to kill you. That's creepy. Have you ever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. There's a there's a Twilight Zone yeah, episode. Twilight Zone episode. A Twilight Zone episode that I do believe is called Living Doll, uh, and Telly Savalas uh, played the father. Uh, he he uh, it was a father, and his daughter gets this little doll. It's like you know, it's like one of those dolls you pull the string and it talks. And, you know, the daughter pulls the string, and the doll says, like, you know, my name is Talking Tina, and I love you. My name is Talking Tina, my friend. The dad pulls it, and it's like, my name is Talking Tina, and I don't like you. And every time the daughter pulls, you know, the string, the doll says something innocuous. Every time he pulls it, the doll says something evil, and it escalates. And, you know, he's like, you know, he pulls the string, and it escalates to, my name is Talking Tina, and I'm going to kill you. Oh, my God. And then it cuts to him, like, in the garage, trying to cut her open, trying to cut the doll in half with a table saw, but she won't cut. Like, the knife won't go, you know. The, and so, finally, in desperation, I'm giving away the episode, but it's, like, 50 years old, he uh, throws Talking Tina into the trash can. He's like, that's it, I'm done. Throws it in the trash can, puts some bricks on top of it. Uh, the mom is taking out uh, the trash you know, that night, she sees the doll, thinks it's a mistake. She takes the doll in, gives it to the daughter. The daughter is going up to the bedroom late at night, but is sleepy, drops the doll on the staircase. Telly Savalas in the middle of the night, I'm going to get some water downstairs. Steps on talking Tina on the staircase, slips, breaks his neck dead. Ugh. So creepy. Uh, I don't like talking Tina. No, talking. I used to have some talking Tina uh, sound here. Um, I'm looking on the uh, on the YouTube right now. It's a terrifying episode. It really is. Um, you can get it now on the on DVD. I was in Movie Madness the other day, and they got the Twilight's on the entire series on DVD. Here's Tim Riley. Well, two of America's favorite things are finally coming together: the Taser stun gun and the MP3 player. Dang! A new gadget combines the Taser gun with the MP3 player, and it has been unveiled at the Electronic Show. It's called the Eye Taser. It features a. <laughs> <laughs> it features a MP3 player in yeah. the stun gun's holster. It is on display at the annual Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. It's expected to receive more than 140,000 visitors this week. Arizona-based Taser International sells the handheld stun guns under the banner, changing the world and protecting lives. It Wonderful. maintains the eye taser allows uh, for both personal protection and personal music for people on the go. Who did I get for Christmas? Whoa. A oh, baby oh. doll. That's me. Talking Tina. Sorry. Oh, that's you. It's a YouTube. It's, a, it's somebody claiming it's a Talking Tina sound, but it's not. It's... um. Some creepy guy? It's some creepy guy on YouTube. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt your eye taser story. Well, the eye taser offers both personal protection and is fashionable and functional. It comes in some different colors, too. Red, pink, and even a leopard print. Uh, let's see. The music player would encourage purchases by women. It's uh, some form of self-defense while jogging and listening to music. A lot of women are, who uh, aren't going to a gun store uh, feel comfortable enough to buy a taser. So now... Well, we have some people who are selling this. The British public has already banned using tasers, but they're legal in 43 states, Wonderful. where Taser International has sold 160,000 to private citizens. So, Fantastic. it's the gadget of the year, the eye taser. Get one for the lady in your life. <laughs> Let's see if I've got this here. Hold on. My name is Talking Tina. Your name is Talking Tina. My name is Talking Tina. She's alive, Daddy. My name is Talking Tina, and I don't think I like you. My name is Talking Tina. Your name is Talking Tina. My name is Talking This is somebody who's edited together all of the Talking Tina moments from this episode. Tina. Talking Tina. Talking Tina. 
Argentina. A doll that does everything. A lifelike creation of plastic and springs and painted smile. To Eric Strater, she is a most unwelcome addition to his household. But without her, he'd never enter. Twilight Zone. That is really creepy. Um, I want to hear it again. Do you know who the voice of Talking Tina is? No. Oh, come on. Really? I don't. Okay, I'm going to play it one more time. All right. Let's see. All right, so this is uh, the Talking Tina episode. Of this is called Living Doll. God, I love the My Twilight Zone. My name is Talking Tina. Your name is Talking Tina. My name is Talking Tina. She's alive, Daddy. I'll give it. I'll give you a hint. Um, it is somebody that uh, you heard in animated form for many years. In animated form. A and she, uh, the, the woman who voices talking Tina here, uh, was the voice of an animated pop culture icon, especially um, uh, probably to to uh, folks of a certain generation. You know, I know, but I don't know. Talkie it's one of those Tina. things. And you better be nice to me. June Foray. That was June Foray, uh, also known as uh, Rocky the Squirrel. So uh, there you go. Boy, you know, and the thing is about this episode is so messed up, and uh, it's so just creepy. And it was like... Dolls are creepy anyway. And it's like, uh, Jesus, over, over 50 years ago. I think, well, not 50 years ago, probably 40. What, 40 60, something. 62? Yeah. So... I mean, it really is unnerving. I remember watching uh, that episode when I was a kid, and it just terrified me. So good good cultural reference, sir. Way to go. Um, I'm still terrified. And Twilight Zone is still really messed up. Some of them are a little corny now, but, you know, the ones that still hold up uh, are still, I mean, it's some of the best television ever done. There are very few things that I consider myself an expert on, uh, but that I would say, like, if I was to do my top seven, my dream Jeopardy categories, the Twilight Zone would be one of them. I really do have an astounding amount of knowledge about the Twilight Zone because for when I was a kid, I was obsessed with that show, and they would play it all the time on KSTW, uh, and I would, I would just watch it constantly. So um, it, it all goes to show how terrifying black and white film is. Black, you you, you couldn't make these shows in color to make them as scary as they were. Well, and because black and white made the fantastical a little more believable somehow. Mm. Uh, that's one of the reasons where I think at some point we are going to get Jack Klugman on the show the next time he comes to town because he was he along with Burgess Meredith he holds the record for most uh, appearances in a Twilight Zone episode. So all right, uh, we have to take a break here. We'll come back more from Tim Riley around the corner. You stay there, uh, Jim Roop. Coming up later on as well, Jackass 2.5 and more of your phone calls. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
503 This is Tim Riley. So Hillary beats Barack Obama by 8,000 votes, and she vows to fight on. Over the last week, I listened to you, and in the process, I found my own voice. She'd like to remind everyone again that her tears the other day were real. We've obviously had lots have of presidents moisture. who uh, have demonstrated that they're not just uh, you know, leaders who get up every day and put on the suit of armor, but they do have feelings, they do empathize. Somebody did make the point, I forget who this is, somebody did make the observation, though, that it was a little weird that everybody piled on her for the, for the tears the other day, because it, don't they make a whole lot about the fact that, doesn't George W. Bush always talk about how, talk about how he cries? I think George W. Bush says that a lot. Well, I'm, I'm sh- I can't do his voice. Uh, but he's him and he, no, but, but I mean, you know, he's he's you know he's he's made it a point to drop into some of his speeches how he has shed tears over things. But it's like when he does it, it just makes him more Christian. Like when George Bush cries, it's because he believes in Jesus and he's you know he's a Christian. When Hillary does it, it's because she's weak. So Obama comes in second place. Generations of Americans have responded with a simple creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And he says he doesn't believe in giving false hope. But in the unlikely story that is America, there has never been anything false about hope. He did have a couple cringe-inducing moments last night, though, when he, he himself is not immune to cliché. Because in the space of one sentence, he said both going to the mountaintop and then seeing the promised land. So, uh, it, which my wife and I were watching, we both kind of went, ugh! Like it just sort of, I don't know, sort of jags on your ear a little bit. I, I guess that the spookiest thing in the world was white people in New Hampshire, a lily white state, uh, wiggling signs behind him while he's speaking. I thought I'd never see that. Well, it is, I mean, it is a sea change in America. There's just no getting around that. Uh, so, I mean, it is, a, it is, and the thing is, I, I mean, you know, these things shouldn't be an issue in 2008, but unfortunately they are. He gets 104,000 votes, which is incredible. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, it is. I mean, that's more votes than McCain or Romney. It is pretty staggering and great. Um, I, I think in, in just the, in just a pure political sense, I think the shrewd thing that Hillary did, though, and I mentioned this to Lisa, was I think a lot of people sort of, you kind of forget that Hillary's a woman. That's a terrible thing to say. Uh, but you just, like, everybody knows a woman like that, though. Everybody at some point has worked with or known a woman who is kind of... Um, I don't know, just sort of aggressive or sort of masculine in some way, and you just kind of, like, in, in, in your head when you are tallying up the people you know, you don't put her in the woman. I used to, I won't say where, uh, but I used to work in another in another state, I'll say that. In another state, I, there was a female DJ um, who worked on one of the country stations uh, in the market. And it's like, I, I, I mean, and in your, she was just a guy. I mean, she was like an absolute full-on guy. And she was, you know, and she was straight. I mean, it wasn't like she was like some sort of very masculine lesbian or whatever. I mean, she was married, had two kids, but man, it's like you really, you, if you had told me she had a penis, no one would have been surprised. I mean, it wouldn't have, no one would have been shocked by it. You just expected her to be scratching herself on like spitting tobacco. Um, yeah, the family of sports papers like that. Too. Exactly. Totally. She had to beat me playing street hockey. <laughs> you expect her to be chewing on the stub of a cigar and barking out orders like, you know, from the dispatch section of an underground cab stand. Uh, but um, like Danny DeVito in a wig. Uh, but Hillary Clinton, you don't really think of her as being, you know, a woman. You think of her as just being a politician and just being a candidate, which I suppose is a credit to her. But I think the savvy thing that she did over the last few weeks or the last few days, anyway, is to really come out and explicitly say 
By the way, this is your chance to elect a woman for the first time in American history and stick it to the man. And everybody kind of went, oh, yeah, because I think it was really, like with Obama, everybody sort of knows. It is forefront. Like, this is a big deal, and it's a huge change, and it's a chance to make a black man president, and what a huge, staggering accomplishment that is, and it's, you know, a revolution. But I think people have sort of forgotten about the fact that that not only have we never had a black man as president, but we have never had a woman as president ever. Uh, And that's just, in fact, in some ways... But you never think of Hillary as having bosoms. (laughs) No, you don't, Tim. Her dirty pillows have remained not only unseen, but unthought of. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's actually even more staggering that we have never had a woman as president, because women are like 52% of the country. I mean, it really, so it is a little strange. So Hillary in the last few days has really come out and just said, look, vote for me and stick it to old white guys. Make, you know, stick it to shaft the man by voting for a woman. And that's why you had such a huge female turnout last night, I think, is that women, I mean, like 47% or something for uh, for Hillary. And it was a record turnout, too, like 285,000 Democrats in what used to be a red state. Not that long ago. See, and I didn't know that. I thought that it would... Yeah. I, isn't that the live free or die? It is, yeah. So I thought it would have been a blue state all this time. No, because it used to be pretty much ruled the politics by the, the publisher of the Daily Newspaper, who was crazy and nuts, uh-huh. who, who didn't even live in the state. He, he lived uh, with some old woman somewhere. And uh, he pretty much... if He he was the man who ma- made Muskie cry, if you remember way really? back when. Yeah. I didn't. He that's William the guy. Loeb. William Loeb was his name, yeah. and he ran politics in that state for decades till he died. The man who made Muskie cry, boy, yeah. that's a page out of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cried in front of the union leader, which is the state's largest. And that was paper. it for him. That was that was the end of him. Yeah. That was in '72, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny that and I never really thought about that. That Hillary cried the same thing, same place, same state, same whatever. But, um, but Loeb is dead now, so. Not so now, what is the industry in New Hampshire? Is that like I'm like going a, to Massachusetts to make money? But I mean, it's is it like a logging state or something? Because there's trees no, and no, stuff no. there. No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's just Boston suburbs. Really. But I mean, what do people? What is the, is there a like a primary industry? No. <laughs> people drive to Massachusetts Snow to shoveling. make money. People drive to Massachusetts to make money. It's driving distance to Massachusetts. All right. And they just drive there because there were no taxes, and they sell liquor and cigarettes on Sundays. Well, all right. There you go. Uh, here's uh, Tim Ryan. Oh, wait, let's get this talking Tina call. Hello, hi. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, just to kind of bounce back to talking Tina, because um, that's one of my favorite episodes of Twilight Zone. But remember the ending part, which, you know, since Sarah hasn't seen it, I remember when he went out to see what that noise was, fell down, trickled it all, fell down, the doll rolled down with him, and when his wife went down there and freaked out and discovered him dead, that's when the doll looked at the wife and says, my name is Talking Tina, and you better be nice to me. No, it's it's really unbelievably unnerving. And uh, somebody noted uh, somebody noted that Talking, and I don't know if this is true, somebody says that Talking Tina is actually the voice inspiration for Ralph Wiggum on The Simpsons, which I can totally hear. Sleep is where I'm a pirate. I can totally, wait, hold on, I've actually got that clip. Give me just a second here. This is... There you go. Yeah. There it is. Creepy. Totally, Ralph. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Well done. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. And that John Edwards character who only got, let's see, how many votes did he get? 70%. 48,000. Not very much. Not even half of what uh, Obama got. Anyway, he refuses to quit. He just won't go away. Tonight, I congratulate Senator Clinton and Senator Obama. Two races down. 48 states left to go. I just can't get over the fact that his head is enormous. 
And his head is gigantic. People with large heads are usually successful. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, all right. He's a good-looking guy for somebody who's no, You know, he's not an unattractive man. He just, uh, he does come off as sort of slick. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He does. And I think somebody made the observation that he, he of the three of them, he seems the most like a traditional uh, Democrat. You know? Just, you know, sort of good and bland, but, you know, as many edges as a bowling ball. Just nothing you can really grab onto with that guy. So the person who came in third place, and uh, one on the Republican side, of course, is McCain. I went to the people of New Hampshire to tell them the truth. Sometimes I told them what they wanted to know. Sometimes I told them what they didn't want to know. plain talk to the people. So then there's Mitt Romney, who came in second for Republicans. And uh, he... And when questioned with the reporters, he dismisses reports, and some of his friends are urging him to abandon his race for the president. You're the first person to see this sense of state. Look at this. I got a silver in Iowa. All right? I got a silver here. I got a gold in Wyoming. I got Michigan ahead of me. He won in Wyoming. I'm going to win this thing. All right, whatever you say. That's He's the, the one that comes in and downsizes your job. Exactly. But no, no, no. That's and that is totally correct. That's the one uh, very shrewd thing that Huckabee has said. I'll give you two weeks separate. Romney, it reminds you of the guy who just fired you. Yeah. The guy who raises your rent. The guy who fires you. The guy who turns you down for insurance. The guy who won't cover your cost of your health care. Uh, the guy who denies your bank loan. They all look just like Mitt Romney. So uh, that, of course, my wife has now decided. My wife, big bleeding heart woman, studies liberal that, that she is. She's decided just to support Mitt Romney just because, just because of like a Mormon solidarity thing. So, and I think she's decided to do it because she knows there's no real chance of him winning, so it doesn't cost her anything. So, just to stay true to her Mormon roots, she has decided that our house is now going to be for Mitt Romney. So, is there a sign out front? No, there Probably isn't. the only thing not stolen. There. <laughs> She's actually no. She's actually gone so far in Mormon culture. There's this um, there's the, the, their big their big catchphrase is is choose the right. In fact, you'll see a lot of Mormons who wear rings that say CTR. Uh, and and in fact, if you go to like any Mormon bookstore or Mormon Bible store, or whatever, there are these big bins of CTR rings that you can buy for like a dollar, and it's just a ring you wear, and it says CTR, and it's reminded you to always choose the right. And so she has decided that uh, her new slogan is going to be CTR for choose the Romney. She's going to begin telling all of her. Or Mormon peeps about that. I didn't really know that she had peeps who were Mormon or peeps of any kind, but there you go. So apparently my house has now become pro pro Romney. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, I got a corpse watch moment for me for you. Might want to uh, look at on CNN. Yes. Uh, these guys in I think it was New York City. The, the uh, one Wait. of their friends had died. Wait, hold on. Tim, we're it, trying to build TSL here. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me, let's talk about a radio term called TSL, my friend. TSL stands for time spent listening. You and obviously have not been time, accumulating TSL. Oh, no, I've been listening. I came into my house, and my wife had the TV on, and I just came from listening to you in my car. Now, let me ask Open you this. Car. Let me ask you this. For how long have you been listening? Oh, my God. I've been listening to your show since you were on uh, 1080. And I do appreciate that. Now, let's talk about something. Let's narrow this down a little bit. For today, how long have you been listening today? Uh, not long enough, maybe. Yes. Now, let me ask you this. If, on the scale of 1 to 10, how strong are the odds do you think that we've already talked about this story? Oh, God. Well, let's see here. Uh, if, if I've only been listening for the last 15 minutes then it's a very strong likelihood that you've talked about it in the previous hour then, huh? It is entirely possible, if not probable, and in fact, that is correct. So, well, and I would love to thank your screener for letting me know that then. <laughs> I'd like to thank Richie for letting me shame myself publicly. If I no. could just go ahead and high-five him virtually. 
That would be just wonderful, Rick. Okay, now here's the great thing, though. You have still turned this into a really funny call. So, Well, you can radio bitch slap me on the way out. No, no, no. We would never do that, sir. I'm simply saying, it really, this is, I'm just we saying. We thank you for your thoughts. We do thank you for your thoughts, and I'm just saying, you, you, got, you can't turn away for even a moment because God only knows what you're going to miss. Oh, that's the thing with your show is that it's never a dull moment, it's always entertaining. Do not for even a second, and you do so at your own peril, my friend. What is your name? I'm Grant. I've been a listener forever, like I said, man. Excellent. Well, God bless you. You call us anytime. Are you spreading the word? I will, definitely. Take uh, it easy. All right. Please spread Bye. the word, and don't let this experience hinder you from calling again. Oh, no, no. Rick Emerson, your name is never sullied in my life. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. Yeah. All right. I love it. been listening all day. I've heard everything. Now, about the guy in the wheelchair. Here's Tim Riley. Well, anyway, he kind of bit the best in New Hampshire, but uh, Mike Huckabee says he's uh, seeing some momentum. Or is it Huckmentum? We just sensed that we were going to do better than a lot of people thought that this old unknown southern boy could possibly do up here in New England. Oh, really? Go back to the south. You know, I don't... Is Arkansas the south? Yes. I don't really know where it is on the map. I thought it was right in the middle. No. It's down there? It's down in the okay. southern area? All right. Uh, then we have uh, Ron Paul, who continues to rail against the war of terror, uh, uh, and, uh, well, lust terribly. Old people declare the wars, and the young people have to fight them. That's why we don't need any more of those wars. We need to get our troops home and get back to a sensible foreign policy. Uh, there are no uh, soundbites available from Ju Rudy Giuliani. He's already in Florida, right? I Has he been so. in Florida all this time? Maybe. Uh, all right. Well, it remains to be seen. I, I do think he might be on to something, though, because, I mean, I have to tell you, it, it, everybody's well, really, Julian's not going to win anything, and they're saying he's not showing up in any of the polls, and he's not winning the primary, but, like, nobody else is either. That's the thing. Uh, like, I guess you can make the point, I mean, to sound like I'm all for Rudy Giuliani, I mean, I, you can make the point that he's not winning anything because he's not showing up in any of these states, but no one else is ahead either. Mm -hmm. I mean, Huckabee wins in Iowa and then comes in third last night. McCain doesn't even show up in Iowa and wins last night. I mean, there is no front run. Romney comes in second, but clearly no one's ever going to really vote for him. So Giuliani's no worse off than anybody else at this point. Uh, I mean, so it doesn't really matter one way or the other. It still is just a big toss-up yeah. over there. Boy, Ron Paul, I, I just... Here's the thing. It's all well and good to be smart and to have principles and whatever, but Ron Paul is but like... But in public life. No. <laughs> Keep your principles and your hope out of the public eye. The thing about Ron Paul is he's like a band that you really feel like you ought to like, but their audience is just so unbelievably off-putting that you can't enjoy them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want to... The Grateful Dead are probably not the right comparison. I'm trying to think of a band that I might like were it not for the audience. Anyone? Anyone? Sarah, you might have an example of this. Who's a band that you might like, but their audience is so unbelievably irritating you just can't get with it? <sighs> I'm thinking Morrissey, but maybe that's just me. Uh, that's I, I went to a Tower Records store one time, and Morrissey was signing. Oh, and I wow. <gasps> you saw Morrissey? Yeah, but I was I didn't care. Sadly, um, it was in L.A. At one point, and Morrissey was doing a record signing, and I walked in literally just as a man was. I swear to you, this is true. Like, there was a kid who went to meet Morrissey, and he literally collapsed at Morrissey's feet and began weeping. Like Morrissey's, you know. Stand in line to get your record signed. And the, the guy comes up and, hi, Morrissey. I just, <laughs> and he just collapsed in a crumpled heap and began crying. So I don't dislike Morrissey. That's, uh, that's not the but right no, comparison. That's totally, that is a great... Or like one of those emo bands, like like Dashboard Confessional or somebody where... Like, well, there you... are a lot of bands that I like. And then like either people act like they're too cool for the room 
Or there's like the weird dancey girl right next to you. I'm like, really? Yeah. And it, or just their fans are so freakish that it makes you, sours you on the whole experience. Anyway, that's how Ron Paul is. Like his audience is just so crazy that you can't believe it. No, I, I know what you mean because I was taking a conversation with a Ron Paul follower a couple weekends ago. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to close the conversation by saying, all well and good, but you must appreciate that Americans are stupid. <laughs> totally. And talking to a Ron Paul supporter is a bit like talking to an Amway marketer or a Scientologist or something. Yeah. Where it, you, like, you do get the feeling that there is just a Borg mentality, and that they had it's like a, it's like one of those computed like those distributed computing programs where they have just leased out their brain to the Ron Paul people, and that's why. Have you noticed this, too? And I think Lycus had made this point, because Ly- Lycus had the best bit yesterday. Because there was a guy calling up and giving Lycus a bunch of crap last month. saying, you know, I'll guarantee you Ron Paul's going to win the New Hampshire primary. And Ly- the guy's like, Tom, I'll bet you $500 that Ron Paul wins. The-. And Lycus like, done. Done, and the bet is on. And, of course, like he always does. He took down the guy's home number. Tom called him up at the very beginning of yesterday's program. It's like, hey, you can make your check out to Tom Lycus. The guy's like, well, I may have been a little overzealous. But... Every call to a talk radio program, every Ron Paul supporter, they all sound the same. It's like they're all operating off the same script. They're all reciting the same lines, the same whatever. So, anyway, so his followers are just crazy. And I just, uh, you know, well, whatever. Anyway. Well, an Iowa woman has dubbed herself the meanest mom on the planet for deciding to sell her 19-year-old son's car after finding alcohol underneath the front seat. Jane Hamilton put the listing in a local paper advertising the car and her son's misdeed. She says she's gotten calls from potential buyers and from those who think she's doing the right thing. She says she set two rules when she bought the car at Thanksgiving. No booze and always keep it locked. The car has been sold, but the meanest mom says she'll continue Fantastic. putting in the ad for another week just with the feedback. Just to shame him. Excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I didn't put two and two together because it's been so long since I've seen the Talking Tina episode. Yes, sir. But did you see the Simpsons knockoff or parody of that? Uh, no, is this like a crusty thing? Somebody told me about this. Exactly. It was a Halloween special. No, yeah. I, I heard crusty. about it, but I haven't seen it. Crusty was the doll, and it came after Homer, of course. I'm going to kill you. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Check it out. All right. Oh, somebody notes either the Dave Matthews Band or Jimmy Buffett, you know, because like Jimmy Buffett despite the Margarita DeVille thing, has written the good song or two, but his audience is just so off-putting. It's like being trapped in a TGI Fridays. You know what I kind of think? Like, um, maybe, like, Meatloaf for Jim Steinman's audience. Maybe, because it's just a bunch of it's Renfair nerds. Oh, so, yeah, it's just, it makes me feel so dorky. A bunch of, a bunch of guys who call their girlfriends m'lady. Uh, yeah, it's like, I like it, but I don't live it. And they're, like, trying to live in this fantasy world that they create. They, they buy everything at a shop with two P's and an E. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is Ron. Well, two things. You and Mountain Dew are a delivery driver's best friend. Thank you, sir. And uh, put, that on, I, put that on one of our sales one sheets. <laughs> there you go. And I didn't know if you caught the uh, Katie Couric, John McCain interview uh, on CBS News for oh. uh, Monday night. Well, that must just been a, that must have been an exercise in excitement. Well, but the best thing about it is they they were on the bus, you know, and they showed them they showed the bus, you know, was cruising slowly through this town. I don't know where they were at. And the whole time they're cruising down the street, there's three guys with John, Ron Paul signs. Running keeping, alongside, holding up. Keeping pace with the bus. <laughs> Seriously. Imagine if they put that energy toward a candidate who might win something. Imagine what they could do. <laughs> and, then, and then a couple minutes later, you know, they went to a commercial and they, they came back to the interview. And then there was just nothing but a snow-covered bank behind them. So they must have so decided somebody to went get out the with heck a br- out of town. Somebody went out and cleaned house. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Bye. Hey, have you noticed that Katie Couric has changed her hair color? 
No, I haven't watched that newscast. I was just going to say, even as I asked the question, I know the answer is no. John McCain and Katie, it's like someone that no one will vote to talking to someone who no one will watch. Uh, Katie Couric has, I think, unless I saw this, I think she has brown hair now. Did she tone it down? I've noticed that a lot of blonde anchor ladies are toning down their blonde. Like, they're making it, like, more of a light brown. I guess. You know, if I can weigh in on this, you know what a Katie Couric's big problems, and this is just my take on this, I think Katie Couric's big problem is that nobody cares anymore. Well... Never mind. I'm not even going to weigh in. You know, I realize it's, what's the point? It's just mean at this point. It's just cruel. Just a pile on Katie Couric right now is just cruel. So I'm not even going to, you know, doesn't matter. Uh, this guy says, Rick, uh, the analogy you're looking for is the Slayer audience. Well, different. Uh, the Slayer audience isn't irritating. They're just scary. Uh, the Slayer audience is sort of, they're sort of uh, terrifying. Uh, all, not as terrifying as Cannibal Corpse fans. I have to tell you, uh, back when La Luna was still uh, up and operating, I saw... Um, there's this uh, grindcore band called Carcass uh, from uh, from Liverpool, of all places, which is so great. They're from the Beatles' hometown, and they come out, and they're just these – they look like uh, Gelflings or one of those things from the Dark Crystal, they, you know, or elves. They come out, and they're just, like, really skinny and really short and pasty with long, lank hair and bad teeth. And they're all, like, these underfed – and they're all vegans, which is hilarious. So, like, these all these vegan Liverpool guys – and um, I talked to Chris Morris about this because all these bands are sort of the same where they come out and, hello, we're Carcass. Thank you for coming out. And this next song is called Covered in Maggots. Rah! You know, and then they just sort of. Uh, it, but um, the crowd is, is filled with um, Cannibal Corpse fans. And Cannibal Corpse are this sort of this legendary death metal band from Florida. And Cannibal Corpse fans are the most terrifying people in music. They, The audience of that band, seriously. You want to start let, checking all their crawl spaces, like now. I mean, if anybody in your neighborhood is missing, maybe a whole bunch of cheerleaders didn't show up from a from a from a camp or something. You want to go find a guy in a Cannibal Corpse uh, uh, T-shirt and check his attic because that's where they're going to be. Typically, I don't fall into the whole uh, you know correlation between music and violence and music and death and murder and whatever. Cannibal Corpse is the sole exception to that. People who listen to that band are evil. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about, uh, apparently there's some award show on last night called the People's Choice Awards. Okay. Singer Rihanna talks about her success while picking up the favorite R&B song trophy for her tune, Shut Up and Drive. I'm definitely grateful for all the things that I've achieved this year. I've achieved a lot more than I, I even imagined or expected. But, um, you know, 2008, we just want to take it to the next level. Her name is uh, Rihanna. Now, how is it that they can have that award show but not the Golden Globes? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe somebody forgot about it. You know it. what? I'm going to ask Jim Roop that today coming up at 2. Hold on. Jim Roop. Jim Roop. I got an idea for a high-concept topic we're going to do later here on KCMD Portland. It's not Thursday, but I think we may roll out a special high-concept Wednesday today. Uh, this guy says, Ron Paul is like the band Tool. Smart, you can admire them from afar on certain aspects of their content, like lyrics, but uh, damn, every person I've ever met who is hardcore enough to own a tool shirt is someone I would not like to speak with, based on personal experience. Uh, here's, uh, oh God, are these Ron Paul people calling? Yes, they are. Hmm. You know, they just sit there. They sit there with a three-ring binder in front of it and a phone tree. Someone mentioned Ron Paul. Begin calling. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I am actually not a Ron Paul fan. I was coming up with a good analogy. He is this election cycle's Howard Dean. Crazy, rabid supporters never going to win. I suppose, but at least Howard Dean... Here's the thing about Howard Dean. I do feel like Howard Dean could have won had the media not just immediately undone him. I really... And we'll never know. 
But I do feel Don't Howard said, Dean. You, you must hate him now. You must hate him now. And we were proud to be part of that, by the way. We were proud to. We were part of the problem. But I, or you could always break out the Dennis Kucinich of every election cycle. Well, followers are uh, never going to win. I would say that Ron Paul is the Dennis Kucinich of the Republican Party. That is certain. Dennis Kucinich in his one percent. Boy, that guy, and he's got ears like a bat. Uh, the, the thing about uh, Howard Dean is, I think Howard Dean could have won because I don't think he's as crazy as most people painted him out to be. He was certainly had a lot of alpha male, which the Democrats certainly certainly need. I think, let me put it this way, I think Howard Dean had uh, much more of a chance of winning than John Kerry. Uh, but, you know, we we will never know at, the, at this point. But, uh, no, I, but I do, I do kind of get where you're coming from. It's really, and the guys with the most rabid supporters are always the guys who never have a snowball's chance in hell. I don't know why that is. And as I say, another audience, just on a side point, another audience that, kinda, that you miss out on that's a regular that I, I hear all the time is kitchen staff. When I go into restaurants to write beer orders. Kitchen staff always has Rick Emerson Sean. Oh, is that true? Really? Yeah, all any just and I don't know how many restaurants and bars I've gone into. Kitchen staff has Rick Emerson on. I had another. Well, uh, hello and salutations to all of you. All right, thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right, there you go. Uh, here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. But, Let's yeah. do a Britney watch. Can we please? For Wednesday. It comes in several parts. <laughs> Amid all the insanity during her custody standoff, Britney Spears gets slapped with a restraining order by LAPD. Britney has been ordered to stay at least 100 feet away from Kevin Federline. I didn't know that. Uh, when did that happen? According to the emergency protective order, which was issued to stabilize the situation, this just <laughs> happened. Uh, the order was confirmed by KPED's lawyer, Mark Vincent Kaplan, who was uh, enforced for five business days ending today. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. They didn't say whether or not they're going to extend it. Oh, so it ends today. Well, here's the... Yeah, that's what I say. It's amazing we didn't hear about that until just no, now. No, I don't know what's wrong. You know what I was thinking about is everybody's uh, claiming that she's bipolar, and I don't know if that's true or if that's just some dodge to cover the fact that she's a, you know, a whiny, spoiled whore. Uh, but even if she is bipolar, she's going to continue to entertain us because you know that they'll never be able to make her take medication. Mm -hmm. And even if she does take medication, she will undoubtedly F it all up by taking vast amounts of drugs to go with it. Uh, Britney's cousin, Allie Sims, is in the news. Don't ask me who she is. She's uh, swinging back at reports that say she heartlessly abandoned Britney and took a trip to New York City over the weekend when Britney was hospitalized to promote her very own reality show. Really? The Jealous Beast. These claims are ridiculous, says uh, Sims to Us magazine. I had plans for Girls Weekend, and my friends had already flown into town to meet with me. I love Britney, mm. and I care more about her well-being than any of these strangers making these claims. Meanwhile... Uh, TMZ has learned that Britney's parents, especially her dad, have been earnestly trying for months to get her committed into a mental institution for bipolar disorder. Uh, Jamie Spears, in particular, has felt since the last ever that Britney is suffering from a mental disease, not substance abuse. Jamie was looking for a way to push his daughter into a facility, but she refused. Indeed, we're told she refused and continues to refuse to undergo a battery of tests that will officially claim that she has bipolar disease. Uh, Jamie and Lynn Spears, I believe, San Lepti, 
The guy who was inseparable from Brit until last week was a prime reason she was refusing treatment. Now they're so mad that they threw him out of uh, Cedars last week. Well, I, she'll just never go. She'll never go in. She'll never voluntarily She's, she's the mind herself. of a child. She's not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, she is still talk, is stuck at a, you know, a temper tantrum throwing 12-year-old stage in her life. And she'll never go in. It's like she'll never voluntarily take uh, lithium or whatever. Uh, then Jamie Lynn Spears slammed. Slammed and tore uh, Dr. Philly you-know-what today. Uh, calling the way he handled his contract with Brittany is a betrayal, inappropriate, and total breach of trust. They sent their family rep, uh, let's see, on uh, the Today Show. So uh, let's listen to what this family rep has to say. Peter Alexander has the latest. If only Britney Spears' family portrait always looked this perfect. The former pop princess and troubled mom recently posed with her two young sons for this week's OK Magazine. Unfortunately, the Spears family drama has dipped to another low. After an awkward hours-long standoff with police last Thursday, Spears was taken to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles for an evaluation and treatment. The public breakdown followed another custody dispute with her ex-husband, Kevin Federline. At the hospital, Spears was visited by Tough Love talk show host, Dr. Phil McGraw. I want to make it very clear. Uh, I went to see Brittany at the request of her family. Dr. Phil told Entertainment Tonight and The Insider he was met by a Spears family member and escorted to Brittany's room where he spent some time with her. She needs to be in That's funny that he won't identify which family member it was. Yeah. You get the feeling it was Ali Sims, Brittany's cousin? Oh, Dr. Maybe. Phil had planned to air a show about Brittany Spears' problems. People felt that he was capitalizing on the situation, perhaps using How his role oh, uh, to perhaps the do a show that they weren't really excited about. He pulled out. On his website, Dr. Phil explained his decision, saying the situation was too intense. Out of consideration to the family, he wrote, I have made the decision not to move forward with the taping at this particular time. Everyone agrees Spears needs real help. Something has to happen for Brittany to finally hit rock bottom. And this is Dr. Carol Lieberman, a celebrity psychiatrist. The time Apparently she just gave herself that title. To keep her in there for as long as it takes. Spears' troubles won't go away anytime soon. She's scheduled to be back in court next week, fighting to regain visitation rights with her two boys. Rights suspended after this latest sad episode. For today, Peter Alexander, NBC like News, he has, he, Los Angeles. He tries his, as hard as he can to Luke sound Taylor like he cares. Luke manager for Britney Spears' oh. father, mother, and younger sister, Jamie Lynn. Lou, good morning to you. Good morning, Meredith. Thanks for having me this morning. Thanks for joining us. Britney's parents have not spoken out publicly about her recent problems, but they felt the need through you to do so now. What was it that made them decide it was important to speak out? Well, we thought it was important for people to just have a voice for Jamie. Or to this hear is Lou Taylor, Britney Spears' family spokesperson. You know, this has, again, just set another uh, bar for us that has become disturbing for uh, what's happened to or be, hilarious. You know, now again played out in the media. Well, you know, Doctor, let, let's get right to it because this is about Dr. Phil and his relationship with the family and the comments he has made. On Saturday, he did meet with Brittany in the hospital, and after that, he released the following statement. He said, my meeting with Brittany and some of her family members this morning in her room at Cedars leaves me convinced more than ever that she is in dire need of both medical and psychological intervention. What is wrong with Dr. Phil's statements in the family's estimation? 
Well, what's wrong with Dr. Phil's statement is that he made a statement. The family basically extended an invitation of trust for him to come in as a resource to support them, not to go out and make public no, statements. No, it's Brittany Any statement publicly that he made, because he was brought in under this cloak of trust, are just inappropriate. So, you know, we feel like to set the record straight that we need to say that. But, in fact, they did invite him in to well, see Who could possibly... Daughter. That's correct. But this re woman is yeah, really uninteresting. Has had a who, would, uh, who could possibly foresee that Dr. Phil would milk this into publicity for himself? Who could have seen that coming? I'm stunned by that revelation. Uh, all right. Then uh, her former bodyguard, Tony Barreto, is chiming in on the recent problems. He tells a television extra there's something that needs to be fixed with Britney. No bodyguard can't do it. An assistant can't do it, and Brittany obviously can't do it. It rhymes with ligation. Mm -hmm. The times that I've seen her use narcotics maybe uh, made her condition worse. I think she definitely has uh, some kind of mental problem. Uh, she's happy, he says. She's walking around the house, and all of a sudden she's crying like it's gotten as bad as her screaming. Don't you just know that she walks around the house with a shirt and no uh, underwear and just uh, sort of like scratching her well, head a lot? She walks in public with a shirt and no pants on. <laughs> I suppose that's yeah, every true. Every day. Like, she wears shirts like they're dresses, and they don't cover anything. You just know that house just looks... You know that house is a wreck, and you know it smells terrible in there. Uh, you know it's true. You know, that's the, you know that house is, like, one step away from being, like, Whitney Houston's bathroom. Uh, that whole house is just... And I'll guarantee you this. That... I'll, I, I, sight unseen. I will guarantee you that Britney's house is one of those houses where there are animals running everywhere who've just relieved themselves all over the carpet. You know it's true. Uh well, there you go. That's we have, Brittany we have more. There's your Britney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. At this point, she does seem so close to the inevitable end of her life. I kind of wish she'd just get on with it. I mean, really, what is she waiting for at this point? We've waited long enough. <laughs> America, we're, we're running out of patience. America demands the uh, the death of Britney Spears. What can we do to hasten the inevitable? I don't know. I really don't know. I've thought about that, and I can't come up with any conclusions. Nah, she'll do it to herself. Uh, now, but see, that's the thing is, though, people said that about Andy Dick, like, for nine years in a row. I think maybe the people that just hang around and irritate you forever and ever and ever, they won't really ever kill themselves. They'll just continue to sit around and be grating. Uh, let's see, uh, a couple more of these. Rick Kucinich and Ron Paul have split the former Perot voters along party lines. Basically, all of the crazies who love to lose elections are now in one of those two new camps. Yeah, that's true. Um... This, let's see, Rick, uh, we all know how gorgeous the lovely Deborah Knapp is, but have you seen the 38-year-old stunning anchor from the early show on CBS? Uh, let's see, uh, Maggie Rodriguez. She really is beautiful. Look at her. Excellent. I haven't right. watched your show. When is that on? Uh, I, I guess it's mornings on on on, on CBS. Uh, let's see, Aaron Geek in the City says, the extra pathetic, uh, let's see, the Ron Paul supporters are like the extra pathetic Trekkies who spent months and thousands of dollars trying to get the Star Trek Sulu program on the air. He says, I will never forget the video of George Takai arriving to the, quote, picket lines for his show and seeing how small and sad they were and then just driving by, not slowing down a bit. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Yes. Who was that from? Uh, that was Aaron. Uh, and by the way, this guy says, Rick, please tell Sarah that I have a huge head and I am a pathetic loser. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, Mitt Romney has just pulled all his advertising off television in South Carolina. Really? He says now he's going to put all his efforts into Michigan. Uh, we feel that's the best strategy to focus on at the time. All right. You do that. 
So, uh, yeah, that's the latest from Romney. Uh, let's talk about uh, television. For those of you who don't have the cable television, federal government is encouraging you to sign up for a coupon program before your TV goes dark forever. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration, when was this created? The National Telecommunications and Information Administration. Doesn't that sound like something kind be? of Orwellian? I guess so. It, that sounds like the thing that's responsible for your for the huge full wall panel television in the in the Montag's living room. Mm-hmm. So Nixon can peek in your window while you're sleeping. <laughs> His fangs dripping with the blood of babies. So apparently uh, these people are going to be at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas to remind you about a program that allows you to sign up for a $40 coupon, or a series of them equaling $40, to help you buy digital television converter boxes. Really, at this point, if you're still using a black and white television with rabbit ears, $40 is not going to make the difference in your life. $40 will not get you to where you need to be. Oh, there are, there are places in this world that don't have cable. I know, but I don't understand this thing in this country where we just we look at the poorest segments of our society and we decide that all they need to turn their lives around is a voucher for two hundred and fifty dollars and some uh, like Izzy's pizza coupons. That'd be great. I don't even I don't even know what this means. So is this like the over the air television signals are yeah. going away? Yes. Really? Yeah. Now, this raises an interesting point, Tim Riley. Your television set is an analog device. Now, but wait, are we still going to be getting television signals over the air, but they're just going to be digital? Or are they not yes. going to be over the air anymore? They're going to be over the air, but digital. Hmm. Your television is uh, an old-time box. Because here's the thing. You know, that the only reason the FCC really can govern the content of television and radio is because it's transmitted over the air. Correct. So if it were simply to become a, a, a device uh, or, you know, a signal transmitted by, by cable, mm-hmm. they would then not have the right to regulate the content. That's correct. So, uh, well, that's regrettable that it's still going to stay in over the air. Thing. But, so, and they wouldn't have to edit all those BBC shows that take out the dialogue on it. So I'm not going to have to get a new TV, am I? If you don't, if you... I have cable. No, you don't. Okay. So this doesn't really apply to anybody. Well, there are people in this world who... Whose community does not have cable. You say that, but, like, who? Where are these people? Uh, my sister is one of them. Really? Does she live in Nashua? Uh, Greenfield, right next door. They don't have cable? No. It, it, there are parts of New Hampshire that don't have... In America, in 2008? That is just wrong. Well, the reason is, the, the mountains are, are uh, national parks, and the national parks do not allow you to put towers on top to, to receive signals. Ah, does she have satellite? No. Let me understand this. And she has dial-up internet. Wow, really? She's on a 14-4 modem and getting UHF signals. Does she also does she engage in all her conversations via ham radio as well? She send carrier pigeons to the store when she needs something? She has bears in her yard. Jesus. That is just a land of savages. Why does she still live there? She loves it. I mean, I'm sure she she's loves nice. that life. I'm sure she's a wonderful person, but really, can you imagine... I mean, I can't, even, I can't even fathom living in such a place. Yeah, Screw that. It's very picturesque. Oh, well, whatever. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi, show. Hey, what? Uh, oh, uh, show. I, you guys yeah. are the and the rest. Ah. Oh, the wheel goes around. Exactly. You're the Marianne and the professor of the Rick Emerson Show, apparently. Yes? Right. Uh, anyway, uh, you, said, <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier this week that, mark your words, someone's going to diagnose her with postpartum. Yeah. And sure enough, uh, this morning... Um, you know, Corolla was talking about uh, Dr. Drew and played him, playing, saying it, that that was another. Oh, that another Brittany symptom. has postpartum. Yep. Isn't postpartum and depression a thing you get right after you have a baby? Aren't those kids like 50 years old mm-hmm. by now? Uh, Dr. Drew has a book coming up very soon. Is that true? Yeah. And a new radio show to promote, by the way. He, uh, in addition to Loveline, there is now simply the Dr. Drew radio because show. When he was interviewed the other night, every time he was asking a question, he'd answer in a sentence, and the rest will be in my book. Well, as it says in my new book, mm-hmm. How to Survive When the Good Thing About Loveline Went Away to a Morning Show with Danny Bonaducci. Mm-hmm. Um, is Loveline even still on the air? I think so. 
Who is the co-host of Loveline these days? I haven't. Listened I cannot to remember the last time I listened to Loveline. I heard it when it was on K Rock. Really? That's when it was the poor the, man. The poor man. Uh, Freddie Stinkskin. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, in the movie Heather's. Uh, oh, and Richard Blade. Whatever happened to Richard Blade? Uh, the uh, the guy who started the program Loveline, a guy Jim Poorman Trenton, mm-hmm. uh, who was a DJ on K Rock, uh, he's actually in the movie Heather's. He is that DJ that what's her name that poor that Heather Chandler who Heather whoever calls up the radio program and everybody at school hates mm-hmm. me and my parents and are Madonna. Well. Yeah, exactly. That's him. That's the guy who started the show Loveline, who then went on to such hits as hey, whatever. Yes. I just wanted to uh, perpetuate the rumor that you are all knowing. Thank you. I appreciate it's that. It's unnecessary. Uh, all right. Uh, so, yeah. So, Dr. Drew, I guess, is... Anyway, but he's got some other radio. That's never a good sign for Loveline, by the way. Uh, but he's got some other radio show that he's doing now. Oh, it's, it's, the it's on the KGIL, the station of the Valley that Roop used to run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that, that, I think it's, uh, it's that... Uh, isn't that the station that's just running Larry King reruns in the morning? It might be. Drive? It's on uh, 1260. Yeah. 5,000 big watts. Anyway. So, uh, there you go. Well, postpartum. Which... It does seem like there ought to be some statute of limitations on how long after having a baby you can blame everything on postpartum depression. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? Let's just uh, give you the heads up on that digital television. Yeah. Uh, it's it it's there's one big advantage to it, and the fact uh, it's the fact that um, each channel now has like if you like I just bought a new TV and I don't have I haven't ordered like a HD dish or anything like that yet, but I can still grab HD over the air. Uh huh. And like uh, with the di- with digital channels. Each channel will have uh, extra channels and extra content. So, like, wow, this is uh, way too confusing. This is like trying to well, talk about HD radio. Well, well, it's it's there'll be standard definition channels also in addition to HD channels. So basically, you go to channel eight, we'll have eight point one, which is which is HD, and then there'll be eight point two, which is or uh, eight point two is actually not a is not an HD channel, but it's like a twenty four hour weather channel. Wait, hold but, on. Everybody in the room, raise your hand if you understand what this guy's talking about. I'm not trying to criticize you, sir. I'm just saying. But, but I understand there still won't be anything to watch. Well, <laughs> this system is just not as easy to understand as it might ideally be. Basically, basically the networks can cram a lot more programming. Like OPB uh, has four different digital channels. Because they're running out of places to put that quality programming that they're uh, that they're putting on. They've, yes. Yeah. There's like a government channel. There's like a, a OPB Create channel. Maybe they can have a channel that's just nothing but the hills. People yeah, can't right. stop talking about OPB programming. Really? <laughs> Every morning when I come in, it's wonderful um, to conversation. Americans love public programming. It's beautiful in HD. Anyway, I just thought I'd explain All right. It. Uh, okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not trying to knock the caller. I just don't understand it. Well, there's too much technology. Like, Every really? time you catch up, they give us more stuff that we can't digest anyway. Yep. I, I really don't. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be uh, a Luddite about this. I, I long for the days of the old Indian test pattern. I typically am an early adopter when it comes to exciting new technologies. I just uh, so you don't want the uh, the laser iPod. I just don't. Well, I just don't understand. Well, I know I, it makes me sound old. I know, but I mean, I just don't understand HD, and I don't under even. I don't even understand HD radio. And I know that it, CBS were supposed to be embracing it, or we are embracing it. Or Do something. we have a, what, a channel for that? No. No. Well, we don't. Well, we don't need one. We get enough here. To keep we don't. Busy. We don't. But I did notice that they made us. They made us put a banner ad. Uh, on our webpage that I do believe promotes KNRK. I think it promotes, like, all of the stations in the market that have HD radio, and I think one of them is, like, occasional when you go there, it actually says, try such great HD streams as KNRK2. So there you go. It's the massive marketing power of CBS at work. Well, there's uh, too much now. Yeah, I just, I don't understand. 
the deal when they say you know, like you've got Channel Eight and then Channel Eight One and then Channel Eight X and then Channel Eight Z and it, it, it and there's five different variations of and is digital digital is not the same thing as HD, right? No. Oh, I don't know. See, that's what I mean. Well, HD picks up digital. But can it makes I, it look better. Can I just tell you this, that in a way, I am. I know this makes me sound like that old woman who, computers are just too hard to use. And it seems like people only communicate via email. You know, with that commercial we run for the Presto thing where your kids can fax you their email or whatever that thing is. I know I sound like that woman in the commercial, you know, without having an expensive, hard-to-use computer. I, I actually just, like, I'm... I have my television and my TiVo and my cable, and it works. And it's like I'm almost afraid to buy a new TV because I feel like it's going to come with a whole bunch of options that I don't understand. And that I will then have – I mean, don't you feel that way? Like I, when don't, you, I don't like a lot of technology. If something's working for me right now, like, I don't, I don't need to go spend thousands of dollars to find something better. But don't you feel like we're at a point now when you buy anything, any piece of technology – it is now impossible to buy something that just does one thing. You buy it, and it comes bundled with all of this other functionality that you have paid for because you don't have the option not to get it, but you then don't know how to use it. That's exactly like me with my MacBook. You're not using 90% of the applications. Exactly. I have no idea what I'm doing. I know it'll probably be outdated in like a year, but I'm like... And you weren't giving it. It'll, up, it'll update for you automatically. Okay. Every time. There's nothing else to buy. Sorry. <laughs> now I know where the Ron Paul supporters you come from. You know you're going to buckle. They're Apple, they're Apple customers. Um, we'll break here in like 10 seconds. Um, but yeah, you don't have the option of buying those things a la carte. Like you can't say, just sell me the Apple computer with a browser and email and Photoshop. And that's all I want to pay for. And that's all I want to buy. They sell it to you with like 500 applications. Most of which you don't even know are ever there. You know, well, let's come with GarageBand. If only I was going to do anything with it. Seriously, I have GarageBand on mine. And I have no idea what it is. Right. And yet you have paid for it. You have paid to have garage, whether you, whether you noticed it or not. That's part of the price, is that you, they are charging you for... And I'm not just trying to pick on Apple. Every computer... Look, there's nothing it. else to buy. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like when I buy Windows. You know, you buy Windows and it comes bundled with... You know, because I when know... that crash? When I, here's the crashing program. Here's the program whose sole purpose is to put up the blue screen. It and, crashes just before you need it on election night. <laughs> I should have known. Now, are you using a Windows machine? I was using a Windows machine. Porsche. And a, Tim oh. Riley. Tim Riley. Hang on. Call using a Windows machine. Let me let me correct myself. Uh huh. I needed two devices. Mm -hmm. I record into the Mac. Let me understand this. Your Mac wouldn't do it all itself. That's so bizarre. I thought your Mac was the only thing you needed, I Tim Riley. Could do anything no, 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 no. <laughs> you misunderstand. Yes, apparently. I was feeding an outside source into the Mac. Uh huh. Because that's the way it runs. My outside source crashed. I understand. And then the internet crashed. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the Windows laptop went first. <laughs> no, that is true. All right. The, uh, Mac, the Mac continued to operate flawlessly. There was just no internet for it to connect to. That's correct. All right. Well, fair enough. All right. Uh, we got a break here. We'll come back. Mr. Skin around the corner. Jackass 2.5 will give away one of those. Uh, later on, James Roop will join us here. Uh, more from Tim Riley, your phone calls, and uh, so forth. By the way, I would like to urge the media now... To never, ever, ever refer to Hillary Clinton as, quote, making herstory. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Back after this, The Rick Emerson Show. It's a great job of marketing it. Bye. Hello. It's The Rick Emerson.
Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up here in a moment, we have uh, Jerry, who says he's seen the best billboard ever. I bet I know what it is. I wonder if it's for Lost or if it's for the, uh, the uh, what's his name, the Baby, Baby Huey or whatever his name is. Uh, more from Tim Riley. We'll do the top five. We will do the top five today. Come hell or high water. Is this still the same ACDC one you've been talking yeah, about last year? Yes. Uh, while we talk to Mr. Skin here, I want you all to think about this. On Jeopardy, uh, when people are standing there at the three little podiums, the three contestants, the Jeopardy board that shows the questions and the dollar amounts is way across the room. How do they read that from where they're standing? Think about that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com. Mr. Skin, hello, sir, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, same to you. I'm looking forward to a great 2008. I'll have some, uh, already have uh, Jessica Beale getting naked early this year, and it uh, looks like Winona Ryder getting naked uh, in the coming weeks I'll be talking to you. So is that the, a good start. Is that the first time Winona Ryder's gotten naked? She did uh, an hour and 23 minutes into autumn in New York. Uh, she had a brief nip slip, but she really had to, to slow it down to see it. This is an actual real nude scene she'll be doing in a movie that will be out in February. So I'll be uh, all over it uh, in February. But it's kind of cool. Two girls that have never been naked appear to be doing uh, debut nudes uh, so early in the year. That's pretty cool. Excellent. Uh, we were, I, I, her name, uh, the girl, uh, let me back up. Yesterday we were talking about, I think her name is Josie Davis. She was on Charles oh, yeah. in Charge. Yeah, she's hot. First of all, I watched her on Charles in Charge when she was the younger, dorky sister. I had no idea until yesterday she grew up to be so gorgeous. I mean, flat out, truly beautiful. Yeah, she is. And I don't know if you know that she did a movie in 2002 called Sunny. And I believe Nicolas Cage was in the movie. But uh, she has a scene. Uh, she has complete nudity in a bathroom 37 minutes in. And uh, fans of jo Josie Davis would have to check this out. A lot of guys like you know her from Charles in Charge or Beverly Hills 902. But uh, she has grown up and looks phenomenal and did a great nude scene, so that's cool. Excellent. Uh, anything else uh, of yeah, note happening to today? Um, National Treasure Book of Secrets is the number one movie at the box office. It's the Nicolas Cage sequel to the uh, 2004 movie National Treasure. And, um, you know, he plays that Ben Gates character, the treasure hunter, and there's a super hot blonde in the movie. Now, it's a PG movie, so she's not naked. Her name's Diane Kruger. She plays Abigail. And since this movie's so popular, and even when back in 04 when the other one came out, uh, I had a lot of people email me or ask me, what's the story with this Diane Kruger? Where can I see her nude? Has she ever done a nude scene? And uh, the answer is she was born in Germany, so that's a good start, because anyone born in uh, Europe, it usually means nudity. And she has been naked in five films, four of them of the French variety, but one uh, the movie Troy with uh, Orlando Bloom and uh, Brad Pitt, she was the girl that got naked in that. So all you people checking out National Treasure and have been asking me about Diane Kruger, she has done some good nudity. Uh, four of the movies are French, and one is, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, the American movie. Excellent. All right, my friend, happy New Year to you. Good to have you back, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Take care, Rick. Thank you, sir. There you go. Mr. Skin for Mr. Skin. I like that guy. You know, he's just to the point. Get you know, what and he's he shameless. He's a shameless mm -hmm. whore, and that's what's great about him. That uh, really, and I hate to sound creepy, but I went home and I looked up a, a picture of that Josie Davis girl from Charles in Charge only because the last time I saw her, she had, like, glasses and was, like, they made her wear, like, overalls. You're kind of obsessed with her. I'm not obsessed. It's just, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody to compare her to. Uh, somebody that you might have seen on television and you only knew them in the role of bookworm. Like the, uh, like the, okay, I will give you this, like the about a boy boy. Yeah, exactly. Who turned out to be wicked hot and he was like the ugliest, you know, little and, kid And ever. they positioned him as a nerd. Mm -hmm. I only knew her uh, as the nerdy girl on Charles in Charge. And then I looked and she's not only normal, she is gorgeous. 
Which is, and it takes your brain a little bit, bit to kind of better. Like, she was on 90210. Oh, yeah. Those are she was. David Silver's uh, girlfriend. Yeah, she was. And then the other sister, Nicole Eggert, was on um, Baywatch. Baywatch. So, yeah. uh, she played so. Summer, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she did. Nerd. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, I got the best billboard ever. Uh, is it in Portland? No, it's not. Oh. It's, uh, it's in the Bible Belt of Oregon, uh, Grant's Pass. Okay. And it's, the, the caption is, are your beliefs changing you? And it's three. It's a picture of a guy who's changing into a monkey. Really? Yes. So his I've face. It's a, it's a picture of his face, and it's three pictures, and he's normal, and he's part of a monkey, and then the last one, his face is entirely, you know, a monkey and ape, whatever. It's the Christian like right organization, like some kind of thing disputing. Um, right. Evolution. Oh, okay. I was wondering why they seized on a monkey. I was like, why not a giraffe? Okay, because because of the godless theory of creationism or of uh, evolution. All right. Watch out. You're going to start growing hair on your face. Well, that's like the uh, – I, I forget exactly where this is, but if you've driven to Seattle – there's that nutcase uh, where his front lawn is covered with, like, biblical quotations that are, like, 50 feet high. And it's about an hour outside of Portland on the way to Seattle. I forget exactly the location, but I have to see it every time I drive to Seattle and back. So. That's right, right by Chehalis. And then there's the other guy further up in Chehalis that always has with the, uh, the, un- the Uncle the Sam. The Uncle Sam billboard. Exactly. You're right. And it's right. That's exactly where it is. This is called being local and relatable, by the way. And it's right by Chehalis, which is just an a-hole of a town anyway. I mean, just one big stinking orifice of a city. So, all right. Washington. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. There you go, my friend. Wow, she's even prettier now. Look at her. She Ooh. dyed her hair brown, Josie Davis. Davis. Yeah, that's what I mean. See, she's truly pretty. She is. I yeah. remember she had a really big forehead yeah, when no. I was watching her on out. She's, she's, she needs she needs some bang action going she's, on. I agree, Sarah. Ho ho. <laughs> At the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the <laughs> Ministry of Truth, this wow. is Tim Riley. I don't know what was meant by that. Like bangs. Like she needs to cover that sucker up. She has a big forehead. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, She's something got a must be well, the beautiful people are at it again. Bravo will premiere its new reality competition, Make Me a Supermodel, tomorrow night. The show will feature 14 male and female wannabes facing weekly challenges and will be hosted and judged by modeling superstars Nikki Taylor, that's N-I-K-I, that sounds sexier, and Tyson Beckford. Uh, Taylor said the winner will have to have it all. It's going to take someone who's going to stand out, is, you know, up, you know, to each challenge. We want to see how well they listen, how well they learn. Here's a really great idea for a reality program. This is a show I would watch. It's where you take someone who tried to get a career as a model on one of these shows Mm -hmm. and then follow her as her lack of skills force her into a low-paying, demeaning slave wage job. Yes. And then you just, you know, and then you just follow her towards her eventual, uh, you know, her eventual life in a flop house somewhere. That'd be really, I'd watch that. Well, there are too many modeling shows as as it is. You just watch, you just watch like a really attractive male or female model being yelled at by a guy who's covered in pimples and 20 years younger as he shoves a broom into their hands and tells them to sweep a floor. The only modeling show anyone ever needs is America's Next Top Model. Yeah, no, I, even I have watched that occasionally because Laura watches it. Wonderful show. That's true. What is that on? You know, I don't know. I I watched Fox, isn't it? Maybe. Or CW or one of those, uh. I don't know. You know what it is? It's I think like, it is CW. Well, you know, I was uh, in a uh, meeting yesterday, and I was uh, asking Bridget and Susan, I'm like, what are your phone numbers? Because I'm having to enter everybody's, every single person I know, I'm having to put their phone numbers back in my phone by hand 
because I inadvertently lost it. You know, my system crashed. And, and you know why it crashed, him? Because it was a Windows system. Are That's you happy? What I thought. Happy with that? Windows Mobile screwed me. It always me. happens right when you need it the most. Exactly. It, and that is never truer than this. My phone, my Windows Mobile phone crashed and just imploded right as I needed it. Mm-hmm. So I have moved onto a new phone that does not use the Windows operating system. Uh, and I am very happy with my new phone, by the way. So uh, I know that it, a lot of people poke fun at Verizon or whatever, but you know what? The Verizon guys were very helpful this time. They helped me pick out a phone that actually worked, and I'm very happy with it. So, um, But I'm entering all my phone numbers by hand, and I realize that the cell phone has completely destroyed my ability to know anybody's phone number. You know, like you know, I, like Jim, you know, I've called you, I've called Sarah. I'm having to double-check everybody's numbers. Sarah, is it really, you know? And I don't I, know. That's the scary thing I have to show you. Like, Sarah, can I see you in my office after the show alone, and I'm going to shut the door? And I didn't say that? alone. No, you didn't say alone, but you're like, up in my office, let's shut the door. And that always makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? Oh, yeah, and it was and really. And you just needed to get the cell phone numbers. I'm like, can you scroll through your address book and give me all the phone numbers that I might need? Uh, but it, so it is with the TiVo. The TiVo has eliminated my knowledge of when anything is on or where. Oh, the, the DVR I have a few problems with, too, because of. Is that you, Bill Gates' fault, too, Tim? Probably. Because if for some reason you lose power, you lose everything you saved. Oh. Really? Yeah. See, that doesn't happen with that the TiVo. That doesn't happen with TiVo. Mm-hmm. TiVo doesn't. You know what it is? TiVo is the Mac of the DVR world, Tim. I can't mm. believe, you know, at this point, uh, now that they have it for a wireless network, you really ought to get a TiVo. You, I mean, really, honestly. Hey, Rick, so if I don't have a, a landline or cable, but I want a TiVo, something that's on network television, like, say, for example, Lost is going to be... You manually setting, program it. So I can manually... So I haven't touched my TiVo in, like, two years, so I can plug it into my yeah. wall and... Yeah, you just do the manual programming. I mean, you won't be able to... If you don't have... Uh, if it's not either a landline or if you don't have access to your wireless network, like, you can get a wireless adapter for the back of your TiVo and just log onto the TiVo network through your wireless network or through Wi-Fi. Uh, but if you don't have that, if you know when the show is on and what channel, you can just manually set it. Yeah. Okay. That's what I did um, uh, for a while with my mom because my mom, long story, we gave a TiVo to my mom and she wasn't, uh, because of her phone system, she wasn't able to get the service for a while, blah, 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 blah. So for the first week, I, I just told her how to manually program stuff and she did it. It's just like setting a VCR, yeah. Here's hey. Tim Riley. Senator Larry Craig is back in the news again. Hey. It's a brand new story, too. I thought this was an old one. Seeking to have his guilty plea in that bathroom sex thing erased. Senator Larry Craig's attorney will argue in a new court filing that the underlying act wasn't criminal because it didn't involve multiple victims. Try to run that by me again. In an appeals brief filed, it contends that the Minnesota's disorderly conduct law requires that the conduct at issue have a leniency to alarm anger. This is so confusing. I don't care. understand what they're saying. They want to change his plea. Oh, by the way, I'm looking at this billboard here. I'm going to toss this out. Thank you. We need a shredder in here so we can destroy stories that offend us. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the billboard. The are you making? Are they making a monkey out of you? Uh, the website is whoisyourcreator.com. Um, and so it, yeah, it shows like um, sort of a chubby guy with a Van Dyke uh, slowly becoming. I guess I guess that's a chimp. I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of primate that is. There you go. It's really badly done. Oh, I guess that's terrible. A chimpanzee, yes. Remember, science is something to be afraid of. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, with only a week to go before the new season of American Idol, not again. Uh, Little things like airport meltdowns from judges, especially Paula Abdul, have become newsworthy. She had an insane nervous breakdown that lasted 10 minutes. I think the bar has been set for nervous breakdowns a little too high for this, though. This happened at Continental Airlines LAX over the holidays. One minute, Paula Abdul was hyperventilating and on the verge of passing out. The next, she was yelling into her cell phone in this deep, rage-filled, poltergeist voice. She kept screaming. Poultry geese? Is that what the name of that movie? Poltergeist? Oh, Whatever. Poltergeist. Yeah, okay. Poltergeist. 
Well, that would be plural. Poultry geese. That would be like the sequel. She kept screaming three names over and over again. Michael, Sydney, and Leslie. Everybody was staring at her, but she didn't care. With no reality show cameras to record this episode, it's the tipster's word against Paula's, especially since reps from Abdul did not comment on the meltdown at press time. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all, said the source, who spent many painful hours alongside the idle judge. Makes you wonder what's in the cup on the judge's table. She's nice and all, but she really doesn't have it together. Uh, the show that helped uh, catapult Anderson Cooper into fame is back. We talked about this yesterday. The Mole. The Mole is returning this summer. The show, which the network says uh, was in the works pre-strike, will have a 10-episode run, but simpler than the original and allow America to participate. Americans couldn't participate before? I don't know. No new host has been named yet, but uh, if you're reading Mole Producers... Apparently, there are a lot of people who want to try out. It's weird that uh, CNN has just anointed Anderson Cooper as the guy. I mean, I do like Anderson Cooper. It's just strange, though, that everybody, they just flipped a switch somewhere and decided that he was going to be the main, you know, because it, it was Wolf Blitzer for a long time, that he was the, the figurehead of well, he, CNN. He was on last night, too. He was. As was that, that uh, older pudgy guy is always mad at people. Uh, what's his name? He wrote a book. Bill Bennett. No, the guy that hate, hates the Mexicans. Oh, uh, Tancredo. Ten no, the other guy. Well, the there's so many of them. He does business news. Not that it matters at this Lou point. Lou Dobbs. Yes. Boy, with his badly colored hair, too. Do you mm -hmm. notice that? Does he go with the weird space between his teeth, too? I don't think so. No? no I mean, that's our extent. I should say this. I kind of like Lou Dobbs. Like he, I think he's a good broadcaster. But he does seem to have seized upon the issue of immigration like a dog with a bone and just won't let it go. Mm -hmm. Everything they bring up. Uh, I mean, you could have a story about, like, a pony judging competition in Illinois, and they would turn it into but illegal immigration. Like, that's kind of his, he just sort of, that's his thing. Like, that's his go-to subject. But he he, did, he had an unfortunate hair dye thing going on last night because he's, you know, here's the thing. Here's, you know, what I will not do. Like and, Bob Hope still dyeing his hair at, at, on his deathbed? Mm -hmm. head, like There's a guy in there painting each strand as he's, he's sitting there waiting for the angel of death. Look, and I, you know, I don't make any secret about the medical hair restoration thing or whatever, but, you know, here's, and I don't, I'm not passing judgment on anyone else. I'm speaking for me, solely for me, Rick Emerson. I will not color my hair uh, when that time comes. When the time comes that I'm getting gray, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with it. I, uh, you know, some people like make Carson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Some people make a different choice. Uh, but you know what? I think I'm going to be okay with the gray. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and I've noticed, actually, if I don't shave for a couple of days, no. I don't I don't think, and this is not vanity speaking, I don't think I have any gray hair on top of my head. Um, but I notice if I don't shave for a few days and I get the stubble, I notice that I do have some gray stubble. Uh, it's like my, the, my where my beard would be uh, is actually partially gray at this point. Um, well, all the hair on top of your head is new hair, isn't it? Well, uh, well, new in that it's been moved from a different part of my head. I mean, it's not like brand new hair. It's just been relocated. But I don't think any of the hair on my head is red. Do I, does it look like I have any gray hair? No. 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 You know, and if I do, that's fine. I'm really, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Lou Dobbs, though, but it's like he just has this, this pippy long-stocking hair. It's like, it's terrible. It really is like they've just dipped his head in orange. Uh, and, that, and it just looks bad. I, I don't know, like... That whole thing about, like, well, Lou, you're a fall, so most of the colors you need to wear are earth tones. I don't know how you do your colors or whatever, uh, but his, that's the wrong hairstyle for him. It's it's a poor choice. And it, so it, last night it was Wolf Blitzer, John King, I like that guy, uh, Candy Crowley, um, whoever, some guy, what's his name, and then Bill Bennett, who wrote the Book of Virtues, uh, and who sits around uh, hating the Clintons all the time. That's kind of his deal. 
He just sort of sits in a corner hating the Clintons, and then they wheel him out, and he says something about Vince Foster, and then they well, wheel him back away. Miller recently? Probably. He's one of those guys, mm-hmm. though. You know that. You know, well, you know that there's a whole cottage industry about hating the Clintons. Uh, and uh, I mean, you remember you lived through the Clinton administration and talk radio. Yeah. Uh, where it's just that every it's like the Clintons were sort of like O.J. Simpson. There was a whole lot of people who just made their living putting up books about how about it. Um, uh, and now that the prospect of Hillary Clinton getting into the White House is a very real deal, there's all of those people are dusting off their credentials and sitting by the phones waiting to be called on to, to right wing conservative talk shows to talk about the Clintons all over again. So you know, so it's going to be a few. It's going to be an interesting couple of years if Hillary gets elected. Well, a Polish man got the shock of his life when he visited a brothel and spotted his wife among the establishment's employees. Uh-uh. Uh, apparently, the woman had been making some extra money on the side while telling her husband she worked at a little store in a nearby town. Well, that is technically true. The couple have been married for 14 years and will now get a divorce. A high school basketball game was called off last night after a fight broke out among the fans in the bleachers. That was here, right? Yeah, Benson and Grant. Uh, the, their uh, basketball teams... We're about to return to the floor for the second half. When commotion in the bleachers ended the game for good. Somebody in the stands fell or was pushed, causing a big brawl. Some students say the fight broke out between two known gang members, but officials still haven't confirmed that was the case. Injuries to the student are unknown at this time. Officers and school officials were called to the scene, and some students were handcuffed. The I, investigation continued. I was really, I did actually, I accidentally watched some local news last night. Uh, because uh, that happened. Uh, because the TiVo, for whatever reason, I think, be, I must have taped the news at one point on a local channel, like maybe when we were going to be on or something. Mm-hmm. So the TiVo at 11 o'clock, you know, when nothing was programmed, the TiVo just as a suggestion flipped over and started taping, I think it was coin. And so before I could run to the television and change it back to CNN, there was a little bit of that, and I was disappointed there was no, uh, there was well, no footage. Well, as a rule, I always have it start one minute early and end a minute late, because they're not always on time. No. And, and well, you can lose either the beginning or the end of your and show. And especially with uh, CNN programming or anything like political programming, where it just it goes on and on and on and whatever, here on KCMD Portland. <laughs> oh, so you didn't finish the story. What You're, story? You were watching local news. Oh, and, and I saw this basketball game, but then I tuned away when there was no coverage. Well, good for you. The end. Although the Golden Globes are canceled, the Oscars are determined to proceed as planned. The show's producer said, uh, we're going to do it. I can't elaborate on how we're going to do it, but I don't want anybody else to deal with the elaboration in a way that might impact its success. He said the show was the most unique show on American television. It's been through wars, through a presidential assassination. It would be shameful if the Oscars were in any way impacted. However, that's what could happen. The Writers well, Guild has denied the Academy an interim deal. Well, did the, did the Oscars happen in the last writer's strike? That's a good question. I'll ask Jim. That's another thing to ask Jim Roop. All right. Lucky we have him. Uh, Rick, has Charles in Charge... Let's see. He says, IMDb shows Charles in Charge aired from 87 to 90. Could this possibly be right? I thought I was still a young punk when that was on, just years after Happy Days. Yeah, it seemed to go on forever. Does Charles in Charge really go off the air just one year before the beginning of the grunge era? Well, you know, a lot of those shows last much longer than you would have thought, or, or later than you would have thought. You know, like another show like that is Mama's Family. Do you realize Mama's family ran for like seventy years or something? No. I mean it just—I mean it just went forever and ever and ever. I mean it just never stopped. Uh, some of those programs, man, it's like they—they they hollow out a niche and they just hang on for dear life until they are forced off the air. And people just continue to watch them. No, it's true. In fact, you know, one of the things we never did—we never did do this list of the twenty-five worst television shows of all time. There are so many. I know. Well, guess what? Number one is not Mama's family, actually. This is how you know the list is. Well, I'm not oh, Charles in Charge was up from 1984 to 1990. So that's six years. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, that is. I, 
I mean, Charles in charge must have been in, in charge of college students by the time it went on. I think, now see, now you make fun, but I think actually that was the case. I do believe that they then transitioned everybody into college. But see, people forget that they did that on Happy Days, too. Do you remember towards the end? Now I sound like I should be on one of those VH1 shows. I sound like, I'd be, like me and Patton Oswalt are sitting next to each other riffing on something. And a guy from the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, do you remember, though, towards the end of the Happy Days run when, I swear to you, when the... Thank you. Do you remember? Such a bitch. <laughs> I was sitting on my front porch with a butter churn. Damn you, Sarah Dillon. Um. Yes. Oh, I can't even make the observation but, now, but you damn woman. But listen to this. You, you, you are right in your original comment because the show moved from CBS into syndication. What, is Charles in charge? Yeah. yeah. It started off on CBS, and it went it, into syndication. Same thing with Mama's Family, uh, where it was syndicate, or it was on network, and then it got canceled, and then it moved to syndication. But toward the end of the Happy Days run, they had Fonzie being a college professor. I think people sort of blocked that out because it's absurd. And I do believe that was after the episode where Fonzie did, in fact, jump a shark on water skis, which is where the phrase came from. Hence the term. Yeah. But at the end, it's like, you know, and here's Professor Fonzarelli. And literally, there was Fonzie teaching college classes. I mean, it was That's just ridiculous. Really, it was like so, uh, I mean, how low on ideas must they have been at that point? Uh, all right. Well, should we break here? Because we got Jim Roop coming up. Here's what we got. Uh, I got the jackass giveaway. I got this top five, which no longer needs to be done at any given point because it's so unbelievably dated. And then I have this interesting email from somebody. Oh. It starts off with a guy getting something completely wrong. So he starts off on a bad foot, but then it does devolve into something pretty good. Um, Who's accused of what? He says, Rick, like every other person in the world, I love the song American Pie, which we were talking about yesterday. Mm -hmm. He says, I enjoyed your brief discussion on the song. And this is where he takes a left turn into Wrongville. He says, I heard you discuss how Tom Petty is the jester who sang to the king. No. You can be forgiven for thinking it's Tom Petty, because Tom Petty does sound a lot like Bob Dylan. Uh, he says, I got to thinking, the only thing I know about that song is that it's about the day Buddy Holly died, mostly because I've heard it a thousand times and never really listened. He says, so I demand to know things about this great song that I am listening to. And then he has this list of specific question, And he says, also, I don't recall what was revealed the day the music died. Please to, uh, be explaining. He says, um, it is your job to be a pop culture expert. Please to be educating the masses about American Pie. So we should do that later in the hour. Just a one-time thing. We'll talk about American Pie, and we'll talk about what it, uh, what, it what the song's about. But right now, we're breaking. Here's uh, Rob Halford. Uh, I'll be back after this with Jim Roop. We'll talk about American Pie, more of Tim Riley. Like us at 3. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 
503-733-2970. Just a few minutes, we'll uh, speak with uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. So what is this I'm supposed to eat here? What have you handed me? It's edamame. It's really good. This is you can a... salt them. Okay, but this is a this is a like a snow pea or a snap pea or something? It's a soy pea. It's a soybean. It's covered in hair. I know, it's furry. You don't eat the outside. I don't think uh, peas are supposed to be furry. No, they're beans. A bean. What is the fur exactly? I don't is know. it supposed it to be it, there? It keeps it warm. Yeah, they're always furry. All right. So I don't. But they're just... really good, and they're uh, they're pretty filling. So I'm just great to... for a high protein, low carb lifestyle. Uh huh. Tim, right, so had... here's a... I line. am suspicious of whatever this food is because Tim is a vegan, and Tim had never heard of. Them. I was actually kind of surprised. I'd figure that Tim would eat them. Edamame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm gonna Wikipedia this before I eat it. Why are you gonna Wikipedia? It's I'm really just saying good. because I'd never heard of it, and I'm suspicious of things that are strange. Edamame. <sighs> Edamame. Mame. All right, let's see. Is a preparation of immature soybeans in the pod com- in the pod commonly? You know where these are from? No, these are made locally. These are from the United States. These are from China. This is a this is a food from China, Sarah. Grown in the USA, Rick. Uh-huh. Right there, grown in the USA. Most often found in Japanese restaurants and Chinese restaurants. Uh, blah 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 blah. Let's see. Um, a lot of people cook them, but they're really good raw too. All right, it was known as a twig bean. Uh, let's see. Mm, all right, so apparently it's not lethal. All right. The pods are consumed by using one's teeth to squeeze the beans out of the pod. Really? This or your fingernails. Sounds disgusting. I like a lot of work. All right, you don't need to do it with your teeth. All right, hold on. Let me just, uh, we'll be eating this now. All right. I hope you got a good one. Yeah, me too. I don't know, I'm suspicious. That's sort of innocuous. That's no, good, especially if you salt them. They're a lot better. All right. Well, let me just finish it. I'm just gripping radio, I'm sure, for everybody. Eating a soy pea. I've eaten almost this entire bag. Well, that's fine. That's okay. You know, I'll go through these phases where I binge on healthy food, uh, and I just sit there and, sh- like, I'll just sit there and shovel carrots into my mouth. And your stomach's not used to it, and you're totally. in pain for two days? I t- say, why are you feeding me this? Because it's not used to anything that's not deep fried. These are slippery. Anything that, it's not, it's not used to food that I'm not serving in myself uh, with a fistful of corn chips. Hey, did you see this thing about, I don't really care about Miley Cyrus, but did you see this thing about how at her concert she's been using a body double? What? Yeah. Like, there's whole sections of the concert that aren't her. There's whole sections of the concert where she sends out someone who kind of looks like her to lip sync the song while she's off doing something else. That does go. not seem true. Fantastic. Uh, it's, uh, this is from uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, okay, it's probably true. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles! There's no one there! Fantastic. Well, that was a big build-up to, uh, to nothing that happened. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's up, man? What's up? How are you, sir? Uh, well, I didn't talk to Richie. I kind of called to talk to Richie. Uh, this is Corey. Uh, I called Wait. a couple days ago. Hold on. Hold on a second. Well, just stay right there, then. I don't want to... Well, you'll, you'll hold do. On. You'll no, do. no, no, I want to get in the way of your conversation. Hold on. <laughs> hold on a second. Are we back soon? It's quite pungent. It's quite Richie pungent. Richie Bristol. I can see you. I can see you standing at the door. I think Richie may have locked himself out. Hold on a second. I can see really? you standing at the door. Oh, we got time. Hold on. Richie, have you locked yourself out? <laughs> Did he Hi, lock Sarah. himself out? Hi, how are you? 
Wonderful. Hold on. Will you hold on for a second? Yes, I'll hold on. Yeah, we live in like a fortress of solitude here where you can't go anywhere without a key. So what did you want to talk to Richie about? Um, I'm, I called about the Girls Gone Wild thing, and um, also, because I, I didn't hear, because when I talked to him after after I got to with you guys, he kind of denied it like I was crazy. Oh, okay. All right, Richie's here, and I think Rube, Rube called and then wasn't there for some reason. First of all, <laughs> what's with the coat, yo? I think we know what the coat's about. And does that have a fur lining? Oh, Is yeah. it real fur? It's, oh, that's real fur. Uh-oh. Okay. Richie is wearing a fur coat. Is this part of your um, your role as Pimp Squad member? Oh, by the way, Sarah, they have a logo now. There is now a Pimp Squad logo. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is, is it this, uh, Where is it at? Is that on your MySpace? Yeah, it is. All right. So go to uh, Richie Radio. Is that what it is? Yeah. So MySpace.com slash Richie Radio. I think that might be rude. We'll get him in a second. Uh, MySpace.com slash Richie Radio. You can see the Pimp Squad logo. What is your question for Richie, sir? So, um... Remember, Richie, I asked you about the Girls Gone Wild thing a couple days ago, and you firmly denied it when I talked to you. And then, um, because Rick hasn't bought me my radio yet, uh, I was listening to yesterday's podcast today, and you guys kind of made it sound like it was possible. Uh, Uh, Well, I'm waiting, actually, for Richie to give me your contact info, and then we will will take care of the radio. Well, because... the thing is, the section of that video, he said he hasn't done anything specifically for Girls Gone Wild. This scene doesn't have any, like, they don't say Girls Gone Wild, whatever. It just shows a, a guy with a girl in a room doing things. You got a copy of this? Wait, what? Um, yeah. I don't even know I mean, what we're talking about. Hold on. <laughs> it's a scene from a Girls Gone Wild video, and it's not like them in a club giving T-shirts out to girls that are topless. It's a guy, like, they have sections with just a girl in a room by herself entertaining Oneself. And wait, you uh, this, Richie? No. Uh, I don't even know what we're talking I about now. Either. All right, sir, hold on a second. Secret life kind hold of on. I'm going to put you back. <laughs> hold, hold on a second. Richie, stay here. Let's welcome again to the Rick Emerson Show from the City of Angels. Again on Radio Correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, sir. Hi, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, a couple things to ask you. The yeah. last time there was a writer's strike, did it affect the Oscars? No. Okay, is that because of the time of year the writer's strike happened? I think it was, yeah. All right. Uh, We have some other question. Oh, how is it that they had the People's Choice Awards last night? It was uh, pre-taped, no no presentation. It was pre-recorded. Well, uh, they took the statues to the winners instead of the the winners coming somewhere where they had to cross a picket line. But it's, well, that's a weird distinction. So if they did the the Golden Globes by just coming to Penelope Cruz's house or whatever, then it's legal? Or, you know, it, Except it's okay. with the People's Choice Awards, you already know who's winning. That's the only reason why people go to the People's Choice Awards, pick up their award, because but, they know they won. I guess... So but, they, would have to, they would have to let Penelope Cruz know she won, and then go give it to her. So, but, you're, so you're allowed to have a show that is, in fact, written... I, I, okay, I, maybe I'm just... My brain isn't really working today. I mean, so the reason they were able to do the People's Choice Awards, though, even though it did contain writing, is because it, no one had to physically cross the picket line to yeah, the, enter the, the issue, arena. The, the only issue is celebrities crossing a picket line. That's but, it. It's nothing about they. They can write the show if they want to. I guess I thought crossing a picket line was sort of a figurative term, though. I guess no, no. It is physically. Nobody wants to be photographed crossing a picket line. Okay. That's, a, that's the literal distinction. And if, if the WGA is picketing and there are cameras there and, a, and George Clooney walks across that picket line, George Clooney looks like a All stiff. right. 
All right, so it's not uh, so it's not just like a metaphoric crossing of the picket line. It is literally oh, it is walking literally through the picketers. Picket All right, okay. So really, theoretically speaking, the Golden Globes, if they knew who won, they could have just like gone to George Clooney's house and handed him the award, and that would have been okay. Yes. Interesting. But not, not only that, though, it, but you know, I guess People's Choice didn't care. But the um, the writers guild saying we're not giving you any writers. You cannot right. use any union writers. They can use non-union writers. They can do all kinds of stuff. Is Hollywood, do you suppose, uh, getting a huge influx of scripts right now from people who figure this is their window? Probably, and that would be a terrible thing if they did, you know, because, uh, I mean, those people will never work again. Right. Well, once the writers get back into power, they will make sure to blackball every one of those guys. Oh, most likely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That, I mean that's, that's, that, that happened with the grocery worker strike. All these people that crossed the picket lines to work at Ralph's, you know, or Safeway or whatever, thinking they're going to have that job because the manager's going, hey, you're a good employee. Hey, you stick around after the strike. Shoot, they were gone in, a, in, a, in, a, in an instant. You never right. heard from them again. You never seen them again. You don't know anything about them. They're gone. Floating in a barrel offshore. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are the odds this is going to impact the Oscars? I think it's pretty good odds. And talking with the Academy yesterday, they want to talk with the Writers Guild. The Writers Guild told me today, oh, okay, good. We'll talk to them. That's it. I mean, we'll they'll, they'll talk to them, but of course nothing's going to come of it because the Writers Guild, to their credit, the Writers Guild, even at their own peril, are digging in and refusing to budge on these demands. Yeah, what the Writers Guild will, will demand is quite a – they're going to want to – here's the deal. If you're going, to, if you're going to, to negotiate with the conglomerates, everybody all at once, the Producers uh, Alliance, right, you make one deal and you kind of hope it works out for everybody – but if all these little individual companies come to you, each little company has its own business model. So the WGA gets to sit down, take a look at that business model, and say, okay, we'll work this deal with you. So with the Oscars, it's a once a year, it's a huge show, big financial windfall for the Academy. The WGA is going to want a hefty piece of that. So they're going to go in there looking at their business model and say, here's what we want from you. But that's not what you gave David Letterman. Ah, but David Letterman's not you. Here's what we want from you. And that's where it's going to get real dicey if, if, if the Academy and the WGA starts talking again. Uh, boy, I just, uh, it, it, it really is. It's really is, cool. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. It is a fascinating story. And, I, and I, because I'm such a nerd for this kind of stuff, I really will be curious to see if some, uh, if, if sort of a, a tell-all book from both sides of this eventually comes out by a guy like, you know, uh, like Tom Shales or Bill Carter, one of those guys, eventually writes a book sort of telling you everything. Because, you know, there's back channel uh, conversations and backroom conversations happening right now. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what was going on this whole time that we are not privy to. And, and also, it's, I mean, the, Warner said they're going to be laying off a thousand people, so that's, uh, I mean, there's a pretty real I impact on a, on, a, on a huge chunk of the national economy right now. Yeah, and, you know, the Oscars are six weeks away. And so they got to start writing. They got that, you know, writing. They got to write the monologue or the opening right. bit or whatever. They got to start putting the elements together. So they got to talk to the academy or the academy. I started talking to the WGA within the next couple of weeks. Uh. But I don't know that that's going to happen. I really don't. I think, you know, uh, right now the Writers Guild is feeling very strong because of the deals they've struck with Tom Cruise and David Letterman, and by pulling the curtain down on the Golden Globes. I mean, they're feeling really strong right now. The problem is. They're gonna, their, their bellies are feeling empty, too. So it, it's a whole weird thing that's going on right now. Mm. 
All right. Uh, and some other story that it seemed like I wanted to mention to you, but I can't even remember what it was. It must not be very interesting. At this point, I uh, at this point I can't remember what it was. The Tiger Woods thing. Oh God, yeah, that's exactly. You know why I don't have it? Why I didn't mention it is because. Oh wait, here we go. I didn't have it in front of me. Well, okay, thank you. This is uh uh this is Kelly T Tilgman Tilgman Tillman Tillman. It's pronounced Tillman. I don't have the audio on this. Um, I've heard it. You have? Yeah, she and uh, whoever her co-anchor were were discussing, and the guy was talking about the dominance of Tiger Woods on the golf course and how he's just dominating everything. And these poor young players are coming up and they got to tackle. You know the Tiger Wood. You know they they gotta they gotta play against him. She said, "I just take him back out in the alley, lynch him in." She said, "Lynch him in the back alley." You know, real kind of off the cuff kind of a yeah. thing. Well, she used the word lynch. <laughs> I mean, you know, is it that's does the it, wrong word to use? Does it sound as bad as it reads? No, no, it does not. Because I mean, I, it, I, it, it, it would go right by you. I read this on Yahoo last night. And it said, "Yeah, the um, says uh, Tillman." I think, I think you can see it on YouTube. Tillman, Tillman said, "Golf's young players should quote lynch Tiger Woods in a back alley, and then apparently they." But that, see again, that that sounds like she said that they should take him. He, the guy, was talking about the young players, and and she's kind of. He's going. I don't know what they can do to, you know, to, to, you know, to stop Tiger Woods' dominance. She said, "Lynch him in the back alley," you know, right. that kind of thing. Right. It wasn't like she said young players should take, you know. Um, so, is it? Is it probably just an unfortunate confluence of words yeah. coming out of her mouth? Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing in a post-IMS era, man. They will, they will take you and pillory you. They well, will, and now uh, the the civil rights groups here are saying she's got to be fired. They're they're they're, they're saying, you know, IMS didn't even say lynch him. Right. You know, um, uh, Kramer, who was that guy's name? But Michael Richards didn't even say lynch him. Right. But here Kelly Tillman said lynch him. Well, she's a 12-year friend of Tiger Woods. Right, right. You know, so and Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods going, I don't care. Come on, relax. So if, they, if she had said take him in a back alley and kneecap him, uh, yeah. that would be one thing. It's just that the thesaurus in her head brought up the single worst possible word. Ugh, yeah, that, right. would, that is it. That is, you're absolutely right. That is the worst word she could have chosen, mm. period. Well, that's unfortunate. All right. Uh, you know, I think she'll, I think she'll be all right though. Yeah. It's the golf channel. Who cares? <laughs> I didn't even really know that anybody watched that. I thought it was just put there to fill up space on the band. You know what I mean? Well, I've watched it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's. I. I uh, not being a golfer, I think I would only ever find that accidentally on my way to something else. So. All right, brother. Uh, you on tomorrow? Um, I think so. All right. Then we will undoubtedly speak with you. Then go home and drink something refreshing for all of us. Thank you, my friend. Thank I shall do that. Thank you, sir. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Thank you, Jim Roop. All right. Uh, all right. Let's bring this guy back on. Um, all right. So it, let's back up. Uh, okay. So you had a question about Richie. Richie's involvement. Let me see if I got this right. Let's start from the beginning. Were you watching a Girls Gone Wild video? Unashamedly, yes. Okay. So you're watching Girls Gone Wild. You see a sequence in which a girl is engaging in an act of self-whatever in a yeah, room by like herself. A, there's like a kind of an interview thing, and then she starts to undress. And, sure. And then she's, know. yeah, all right. And, and so then how does Richie enter into the story? Well, the, the, the guy talking to her, I mean, he's like asking her questions about her sexuality and whatnot. And uh -huh. just kind of like kind of trying to butter her up and get her to <laughs> right. do things that... And yes. the voice, just the voice, sound exactly like Rick G and the, just how uh, how persuasive he was. And I mean, Richie is what, a member of the Pimp, Pimp Squad. squad you know? Yeah. So you're so so he, you're saying the voice of the guy sounds a lot like Richie. 
Yeah, and then when I talked to him, he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, so I heard uh, yesterday, right at the beginning of the show, you asked him about it. And, that he, and Richie revealed yesterday that he had filmed and submitted footage to Girls Gone Wild, hoping uh, to become one of their contributors. Oh, is that is that what it was? Is that he the deal, Richie? He just gave it to. He All said right. he just gave it to. Uh, well, he knew one a guy who. Friends. He knew a guy who knew a guy. Really. So, Richie, you have admitted yesterday that you submitted footage to Girls Gone Wild, hoping to become one of their kind of regular contributing guys. <laughs> is it conceivable that this footage he saw in this Girls Gone Wild thing with the off-screen unseen narrator is you? Could possibly. I've done plenty of that. Sounds familiar. I mean, I would never Let film me ask you this. without permission uh -huh. or not, no Attention hidden cameras. CBS. Let me ask you this. Like that. Have quite you... obvious that she knows there's a camera. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this, Rich. Have you ever, uh, to the best of your memory, and I think that this is the sort of thing you would remember unless your life is much more interesting than mine, which I guess it is, have you ever uh, filmed a woman engaging in an act of self-love? Uh, more than that, yes. More than just self-love. Okay. Who are you? Who are you? I, I, have to, really? I have to bring this down and see if it's him because this is this is too good. He just has like this dirty past that he doesn't talk about. <laughs> How? And it seems like a dirty present too. Why would you no. never? <laughs> why would you never have told us this? Okay. How? 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 When? What? I used to date strippers a lot. And so That's... what? Instead of instead of like watching Matlock, you would just uh, let me film you. Uh, are you pleasuring me. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the, how it would happen? I'd put the camera on the end of the debt on the like. Oh, please tell or me! Oh, please and... tell me that there aren't banks of films of you at home having sex with women. I raced them supposedly. I got caught one. You got caught. Secretly videotaping them. My girlfriend was playing through the tape, and you know how you erase them. Well, there was two different ones that I erased over right in the middle. It goes, it comes into focus, and then it's oh, the other girl, and then. Did you wait? So you got caught taping a girl by that girl, or you or your girlfriend discovered tapes of you with other women? Basically, yes. The other women. The other women. So let me ask you this: Have you ever Long recorded time. a woman without her knowledge? No, no, no. I would right. never do that. I had a friend who did that, by the way. No, that's, that's I had a, creepy. I had a friend. I had a friend who did that. He was kind of a creepy friend. Uh, we were helping him move. I won't identify him even in any vague way. But we were helping him move. And, uh, you know, one of the items we were moving was like a little video camera. And, you know, there's the red light that shows you, you know, that it's on. The red light had electrical tape over it, like totally taped over. And we said, what, what is this? Why, why is the red light taped over? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes you just don't want that red light on. And it all kind of clicked in our heads. We went, so-and-so, Bob, so-and-so, were you taping women having sex without their knowledge? And he goes, well, it's a long story. And he, like, put it in the box. Um, so you, okay, let me understand. So you filmed women pleasuring themselves, and then it's possible that you gave, this was the footage you gave to Girls on Wild? You would think that. Okay, dude, you have to, is it on DVD? Yeah. Okay, you have to bring it in. Yeah, you have right. to. Like uh, tomorrow. I got, the, I got the day off tomorrow, yeah. you got to bring it in. Bring it in before the show, if possible. Before the show? If you can bring it in before the show, so that way... we have some time to edit it. Because we got to edit it down and make... Because it, it, it's... I can't imagine that the dialogue is clean for air. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really know. That. Well, please watch it through. I can't imagine that the off-screen narration is suitable for broadcast, but we got to edit it down. Uh, right, so, so um, what, what time? Uh, you guys well, we there? go on the air at eleven. I'm here from like eight thirty on. So, but you know what? Yeah. Even if I'm not around, you know, Dave's in at the front desk, but I'm here from like eight thirty on. Okay. Uh, uh, and we're at twenty forty Southwest First. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll be down there then. All right. Thank you, sir. Peace out. Rick. All right. There you go. Thank you. Don't they have to get waivers or something for me or something? You would think. No, if, I you're, would know. if you're freely submitting something. And you want it to get airplay. They don't, they don't, you already gave them your permission. You well, know? I wanted to submit it 
I don't think I would say Well, that. no, no, no. He's talking about the girl. He's saying if that was footage he submitted. Although, haven't they gotten hit in the past? I don't know. But mm. Because he's incarcerated right now. Well, that's, I think, for something else, maybe. Or is it? I don't he's, even know what he's in jail for. or something. I don't know. It's Have they gotten crazy. hit for not having releases? Probably. I, I mean, I know they got hit for having... And I do believe well, that would fit under fraud. And in their defense, I do believe the girls had fake IDs. But I think they ended up having some girls who were like 17 in some of those, and the girls had fake ID and whatever. I think that's how that happened. But so you think it's conceivable that footage you filmed of a woman ended up in this girl's gone wild video? Like it's possible? It, yeah, I guess. Who are you? Because there's more than one. I guess. <laughs> wow. Like this was a long time ago. Uh huh. Long like. Yeah. But how recently did you go to that sex club? Again? I was just gonna say you went to the sex club like that was last for month. The show. Have you gone back you... since then? No. <gasps> there was a... there was a little pause there. <laughs> no. You didn't you go did. with that. You didn't go with that no, woman from no, Clear no, Channel. No. 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 All right. Not okay. Yet. Boy, you know, can I tell you at the bowling alley last night there was a Clear Channel team, and uh, I really did look to see if that woman was there. She was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. What? 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 Had you been communicating <laughs> with her? Boy, okay. Oh, but anyway, so the Pimp Squad logo. Did you see it, Sarah? No. Okay. Uh, you should go to myspace.com. I don't think we could do that one because slash it's like copyright logo. Richie Radio. Richie Radio. Okay. Yeah. It's actually right here. That. <laughs> we could put it on the side of a gremlin or a beast. the orange and black. I think it's a take up on the Geek Squad logo. I think go service tech stuff. <laughs> you use LOL a lot. Uh, that's me laughing. Out loud. Yeah, Jim rolling on the floor, laughing his ass off. I like the unicorn. That's from like. Oh wait, I haven't. Hold on, I haven't seen this. Wait, hold on a second. Uh, Isn't it kind of uh, myspace.com? That's pretty rad. You should totally make that the picture right now. Your picture, Richie. Okay, I'll do that. Radio. All right. Ew! Except for I just saw the. That's what I thought. you Hold on a second. I don't even know what you're talking about. Wait. Ew! You just saw that? No, I just. I was wondering. I was like, what a pretty unicorn, and then I saw. Now this claims you don't have a MySpace account. MySpace.com slash Richie Radio. Uh, under slash com. Under, what? what? Under, underscore. Underscore. Com. Underscore com? Yeah, Richie Radio underscore com. All right. Okay, so we're, okay, here it is. Um, I have not looked at this logo. This is uh, Richie's Pimp Squad logo. See, my, my virginal eyes were not looking for what was there. <laughs> really? Are you accepting applications? You want to be the treasurer? Uh, uh, we're right, we're logging in here. I oh, see it. I have to. Lo- I'm sorry. We'll break here in just a second. I have to log in to see this. Rick, I just. I want. I haven't. I actually haven't seen. Uh, or... Boy, you know, a lot of your photos. Okay, never mind. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, don't don't talk about it. Wow, really? Are you kidding me? Wait, look, zoom it up. That's zoom a in. mediocre show. Some from like Vegas or something. I, I'm just. I'm looking at this right here. Honestly, that unicorn with a. I didn't do it. A unicorn with a massive member. Yeah, I didn't see that part. All right. Because my screen was... Uh, is, that, that, you is that someone you know? It's uh, the mediocre, mediocre <laughs> show? I uh, listen to your show. No. Okay. okay, that's hard to believe. All right. Well, I say you go with this Geek Squad knockoff. We put it on the side of a bug and go, like, take calls. <laughs> go service the ladies for their tech support. All right. Hi, Tim. You have more news for us? Oh, I'm sure I do, uh, yeah. Let's take a small break. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, now we know what we're doing tomorrow before we ride the tram to hell. Get to watch Richie coaxing some girl to engage in a lewd act on camera. That guy is just an unfolding ball of mystery. All right, back after this.
like if you're under house arrest or so we're told yeah i'd imagine so not that we know anybody who's been under house arrest i dated a guy who was on house arrest once what really yeah we're here no in um in good old town of grammar were you in Washington. high school still no it was it was um when i was in college i was home for break and so no i just like started hanging out with this guy and then i don't know something had happened so he had the little ankle bracelet thing how long so, were you on break that you would begin dating him? Was no, it a whirlwind on, romance? I've known him for a while, so we were oh, like see. hanging out again because I was back. What was he on house arrest for? You know, I can't remember. That's the thing—you have to commit a pretty serious crime to uh, to have slapped on you, I would think. Yeah, he had the little ankle bracelet and everything. Did it turn you off? <laughs> Actually, no. Jack is really sexy. I was like, what point have I reached in my life where I'm taking on house arrest? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, he's arrestingly funny. He's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, somebody's got to be under arrest in Clackamas County when they find out who set up a bomb in the bike path last night. Happened shortly after 1130 on Southeast Strawberry Lane. Apparently, they saw a flash next to I-205. The improvised explosive device flew into the air and landed on the southbound lane of the freeway. You think that's funny? When did they catch you? Luckily, nobody was injured. Funny, man. Three German workers are out of their jobs because they don't smoke. They don't smoke? That's correct. A German newspaper reports a manager of a 10-person computer company said he fired the employees because their non-smoking was disruptive. The workers had requested a smoke-free office setting. The Germans introduced some non-smoking measures aimed at bars and eateries at the beginning of the year, but Germans working in small offices are still allowed to smoke. The manager is vowed to hire smokers exclusively in the future, calling non-smokers, quote, troublemakers, you know unquote. The, you know the Germans are just itching for another uprising. You know it. You know, you know that they, they, a lot of furtive, shifty-eyed glances in office places. They're just waiting for the signal. You know it's true. It's in their blood. <laughs> no, it, it really is. Luca! I... That's it for now. Will you have more news later? I don't think we could live without more news from you, Tim. Oh, I always do. There are more stories to tell. In the Naked City? Here in the Naked City. Why is the phone ringing? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, you have to, I have to tell you this, though. So there's a phone ringing in the studio. It's like our Commissioner Gordon bat phone. It doesn't really ever ring, and when it does, it's presumably important. When it rings, Sarah is annoyed, so Sarah just picks it up and immediately slams it back down no, again. No, I don't think it's, it's not the bat phone at all, because the warm line or the hotline aren't ringing. It's just true. This, and it's the only three people who have been using it are sitting in the same room at the same time. That is true. Exactly. You, that are, you are a program director, dude. That is true. A program director, dude. Well, it might... Dude. That's on my card. It might ring if we were off the air, but presumably someone would call and tell us. All right. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest newsman in the... <laughs> History of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour all the way through like us. Thank you, Tim Riley. Why is it all doing right. that? I don't know. You should answer it. Yeah, Next yeah, time it well, rings, answer it. No, it will never ring. No, it's never going to ring. All right. Uh, well, we don't have time to do this um, American Pie thing. Why not? Because it's a, like a nine-minute song. And, you know, okay. so the analysis is going to take forever. Um, what do we have time to do? And I don't have time to be... Uh, to do music therapy, or I, I was trying to work on a Nalrapist joke there, and I can't. I don't know where I'd, I got that. I'm still watching. I know I haven't given you back season two of Arrested Development, that's but I'm rewatching it again. That's okay. I'm not like you know. I don't need to watch it right away, anyways. Okay. I got all this crap to watch now. I, I keep bouncing back and forth between uh, season three and two. Did I tell you that um, Dr. Phil isn't licensed in Texas or California? Apparently. 
No. Somebody claims that. I don't know if this is true. Says, uh, Rick, I checked what you said about, said about Dr. Phil having no license. I tried California and Texas. There was no sign of him being licensed. I'm not saying it's the case, but this person claims that what they have, uh, this is, a, I think this, and I think this person is, uh, works in the medical field. Says there is no sign of Dr. Phil having a license to practice psychology in Texas or California. Uh-oh. So there you go. So he has credentials, but not a license. There is a difference. Uh, well, um, how long is it? Should we take the break now, or should I do these calls? Let's do the calls. calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's happening, Mr. Lowe? Hello. Oh, hey, what's up? Hey, how did that... Uh, I haven't watched the cinnamon eating. How did that I work out? Either. You know, I feel... I'm very unhappy with the turnout. It because um, he didn't die? He, he, do you not he, like neither, them? he neither died nor coughed up in either of his lungs. Wait, so he ate a tablespoon of cinnamon, and it just, now did, did you allow him liquids? After the fact. So he had to get it down and keep it down, and then he was able to drink. Um, but was there money riding on this? No, there's no money. You, you just have to know this guy. He's 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 just basically insane. And so not only did he do it two days ago and do it successfully, he did it again today. <laughs> just just to show just, just to, to show you up, you. just to put well, it in your I, face. Yeah, I guess the naysayers were unhappy with the age of the cinnamon. And the size of the teaspoon, uh, tablespoon that was, which was used. Hold on, what naysayers? naysayers? Who are these naysayers? Who are these naysayers? Okay, first of all, get this. Not only were some co-workers naysayers, apparently the night after he went home, his mom was a naysayer. Really? <laughs> so I was unhappy with your cinnamon consumption. Is this the dude with the bad, like, 90s haircut? Um, the brown hair parted down the middle? Sarah who said that. <laughs> Well, I, I guess. I, I mean, guess the so. very attractive young gentleman with the hip hairstyle. I, I guess you could say that, yes. He's kind of a. I mean, he has a, does he have a facial hair? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm thinking he, of. Yeah. Did you make this? Did you make this video? Uh, yes. This is impressive. Well, I thank you. Uh, so. Uh, so he's just done the cinnamon a couple times now. Well, I wonder if it's something weird. I mean, I wonder if this is like a vanilla thing, you know, because there's regular vanilla, and then most people, they'll have fake vanilla. I wonder if this is like that with cinnamon, because from everything we were told online and on the YouTube, that it would, like, kill you, or at least you would get a lot of distress from it. Are you well, I, t- I tell you this. From watching him do it today, he was not having any kind of fun doing this. Okay, so um, it was at least unpleasant. Oh, no, it was severely unpleasant. If you watch the video and listen to the explanation afterwards, you will... Uh, okay, I'll watch it. Right, I'm right. watching him dump it into the spoon right Have you now. considered a salt-eating contest? Actually, I, <laughs> uh, according to him, he's, he's, now going to, uh, he's now going to do a new challenge every week. And so next week, we're doing chili powder. Okay, now see, I like where we're going with yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That's good. Is, that, is he going to do a tablespoon of that? I guess he's going to do a tablespoon of chili powder next week. Oh, um, man, dude. Man, fearless and not so bright is my favorite combination. <laughs> that is the best quote I've heard all day. What is it? Fearless and not so bright is my favorite combination. <laughs> well, God love you, know, you, Sarah. Fearless and not so bright. He, he's, he's got on his list the... Um, Should make your mice He's got part. on his list the chili powder for next week. He's going to do the gallon of milk. And he's oh. also got the... Um, uh, eight crackers in two minutes. Eight crackers? <laughs> I love this guy. What's his name? Uh, it's, it's Chris, or otherwise known as Vegas Batman. Okay. Uh, can we have him on the phone at some point? Oh, I, oh, no doubt. Oh, excellent. All right. Vegas I'm, not at, I'm, not at, I'm not at work um, right now, but uh, 
I think he'll be in tomorrow, so I, I should have a pretty good chance to either please, get him on tomorrow or whenever you have time. Please have him call, and I request that the gallon of milk be at room temperature. Oh, not bad, not spoiled. Just take it out of the fridge and let you know you let it cool to you know to room temperature, and, and then you go. Well, we've already designated that that one must take place outdoors. Oh yeah, because that's going to be a whole lot of comeback. That's he's going to refund that almost immediately. Well, he 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 looked like he was about to give <laughs> give his money back on the cinnamon today. <laughs> I saw that in that first part though, when he first takes wow. a bite of it, he looks a little freaked out. Oh, now I'm going to compile a whole list of things for him to consume. Yeah, he was not enjoying it, and then doing it today to shut up the naysayers. I swore, actually I have video of today's as well. And it, it it actually made me worry. Now I now I just want to make him drink bacon grease. You know, <laughs> you, you, send sour that the, juice. you send that down the pike. He may actually do it. Fantastic. We'll let him work up to that one. Excellent. All right. Yeah, get in touch with us tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll see how things are going. Okay, you got it. All right. Thank you, my friend. Okay, take right, care. Got the, uh, the low. One more, and then we'll break. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this came up yesterday, um, but the guy that played Willie on Charles in Charge isn't he played Bible Man? Yeah, yeah, we did talk about it. Yeah, Willie Ames was Willie Ames was Bible Man. Okay, that's what I thought. And uh, um, I also know a guy named Troutdale Batman. Uh, really? Is yeah, this, there's is, a, a guy in Troutdale, and they call him Troutdale Batman because there's he some sort of him, franchise. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe it's uh, yeah. They're springing up all over the country, apparently. Okay, I'm off to steal your truck again. Thank you. <laughs> Best audience ever. I love people. I really do, too. All right. Nobody's sending me this Monica Lewinsky photo. I still find her hot. Uh, this person says, uh, let's see. Somebody makes an observation about Lisa Desjardins' lesbian list. Lisa's lesbian list is like how Monica Lewinsky's on your list of people you can get with without repercussions from your wife. You must find out the rest of Lisa's lesbian list. Hot, 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 he says. All right. Yeah, well, Virtue film it. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Alright, I don't even know what to get to. Uh, let me read this. This is from Wikipedia. The Texas State Board of Examiners of Psychology imposed disciplinary action on Phil McGraw, Dr. Phil, on January 27, 1999, for an inappropriate dual relationship reported by a client. Uh, slash employee. McGraw was ordered by the board to take an ethics class, pass a jurisprudence exam, complete a physical evaluation, undergo psychological evaluation, and have his practice suspended for one year. McGraw admits to giving the client, quote, a job at his office, which is not allowed, but denied carrying on a relationship with her, who says that their, the woman, though, says their relationship was sexually inappropriate. As of 2008, Philip McGraw is still not licensed to practice psychology, says Wikipedia. Well, there you go. That's pretty sketchy. All right. Uh, did Aaron send you a whole list of things for the guy in Vegas? Aaron did. He wrote a challenge for Vegas back, Batman. So, what are some of the things? Uh, it's a quarter cup of pickling spice, a handful of sardine-flavored jelly bellies from the Bernie Bots beans. Oh. Okay, this is just gross. A burrito of cooked cow brains. Well, see, Aaron, Aaron's people, though, I think they eat those things. One tablespoon of caradmon. Kar- I don't know. C-A-R-A-D-M-O-N. Whatever. Ten all-spice seeds. you yeah. got to chew them. Uh, one pound of boiled lutefisk and milk. That is a real dish. <laughs> ask oh, ask oh, Todd the Corpse oh, or Diana from downtown. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. How about menudo, Aaron? You left menudo off the list. All right. Rick, as you compile your list of things to get Vegas Batman, and then in parentheses, did I really just type that? To consume, how about potted meat food product? Many cans of it. Many, many slightly warm cans of it. I'm heading to Winco right now. Remember all the things with tentacles that were in the potted meat <gasps> things? Yes. 
Okay, tomorrow on High Concept Thursday, this is what we'll have the audience have to go help to us with. Four less again. Yes, we are. Okay. Oh, like you don't want to go there again. Of course, it's right I want to go. Gen X clothing. I know. So that's where I'll be. Fantastic. Uh, are we ending now? Pretty soon here. How long? Oh, about six seconds. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Especially Lisa. She was playing through the pain today. Uh, so thank and you. she requested, she said that she was off the clock for anybody but us. She thank specifically you. told the CNN correspondents Thank that you, Lisa Desjardins. That never goes unappreciated. Uh, and Mr. Skin, tomorrow we ride the tram at 4 p.m. Plus, did Richie, in fact, make it into the Girls Gun Wild video? We'll find that out tomorrow. Uh, Friday, Lemmy from Motorhead. Next week, Tesla. So, uh, big few days to come. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970's Solid State Radio, proud part of the CBS radio family, the Tiffany Network. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, Susan Reynolds is our marketing guru, and, of course, uh, podcasting and uh, webmistress and imagery is Bridget upstairs. Uh, like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Ha, 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 ha.